Welcome to day four of the I Am Talk Kona Super Specials for 2014 with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. Righto, team, welcome along to day four of the I Am Talk Kona Super Specials for 2014 with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? All good in the hood, Bevan. You're all good in the hood? Yeah. You're a bit gangster, are you? Always How gangster. How are you feeling? Because we're actually, okay, so what's happening, team? These shows are a bit all funnily put together. I'm sure you'll figure out as we go through today's interviews because, you know, some of them we did three days ago, some of them were yesterday, some, you know, and so on. So it's kind of a mishmash of all the content we've created. And uh, we're actually doing today's intro Yesterday, for mm-hmm. those people listening, end of the end of your rest day. How are you feeling? Fine. Yeah. You feeling tired? No. No. Oh. I'm feeling tired. Yeah. Good. You've had a tough day. <sighs> I had a tough day. We found the keys, by the way. Yep. If anybody was worried about They're that, in my bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Found the keys. They're in my my bag the whole time. So I take responsibility for that. So we haven't. Uh, no, it's been a fairly uneventful day. Bit of lunch with the Iron Talk listeners. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, which was pretty good. hot. Yeah, it was, was pretty hot. I went into a hot seat at one stage, but uh, Kona Brewing Company is always good. It was nice. It was good okay, Iron Talk Kona Super Specials are proudly brought to you by? Hoffies of Hawaii is one of our regular sponsors, but uh, Kona Super Specials are endurance sports travel. Yes, they're brilliant. And Lava Java. Lava Java. Locked and loaded for tonight, Bevan. Booked us in. That's good. We're not missing out again. Bike Works as well. Bike Works and Kona as well. Also, our traditional sponsors. Coffeesofhawaii.com. World's best coffee. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Okay, guys. So in this week's show, on today's show, we've got a few interviews. So we've got Mecca. We've got about half an hour of Mecca. We've got Gina. We've got about another half an hour of Gina. We've got Almir. So tell us about him, Jumbo. He has got had a heart transplant, which is pretty staggering. He was in triathlon before. He had heart issues, as you'll hear, um, but is now... I, uh, we shouldn't, didn't ask this question. I think he will be the first heart transplant to finish, to Kona? finish Kona. There's been other ones. Maybe he was a guy years ago who tried. We interviewed him, yeah, and he, and he did not finish. No. He was not a triathlete before, so I think this is where maybe where Elmar's got the, the yeah, upper hand. Yeah, because Elmar's done it at 11 and a half, did he say? Mm, something like that. Since having a heart transplant. So, so uh, that was pretty interesting, and I'm going to go, when I go home, make sure I have got all my boxes ticked to make sure I am a donor. Because well, no, because you things. know what's really interesting about this talk? So we talked to Elmar, and one of the reasons he's here is in, in Germany, the policy is, is you have to opt in to be a donor, and um, and for that reason, only eighteen percent of Germans are donors for their no, organs. No, no, no. He said you opt in, and then but then your family can overrule that. Yeah, but even then, so in other countries, so in New Zealand, you're opted in automatically, and then you have to opt mm-hmm. out. Right. And so there's a good book called Nudge, and in Nudge they talk about um, how do you. Um, choice architects you know how do people make you make better choices and they talk about that and they talk about how what countries need to do in areas like that is you say you opt in like kiwi savers in new zealand mm-hmm. it's a government superannuation they made everyone opt in and then you had to choose to go out and when they do that in those countries where you opt in first so in like new zealand it's like 80 percent of donors mm-hmm. because you know that's the case and uh and he was saying that's one of the things he was you know that they need to get towards germany is is a the opting in and then b the the family can kind of overwrite your own thoughts anyway. So so for that reason, in Germany, they've only got about an 18%, somewhere like you'll hear it later on, where in like Austria, it's like 80%. So, mm. 
so it's a good so it's a good story he's out there racing at the weekend and we had the tv crew here and everything and all good in the hood uh, we it was you know uh, kind of high class we'll, we'll be media stars in yeah, germany now yeah, won't we we will be you even opened the door I know, I had to do the, hello, the, the fake welcome. Take two, take, take three. three. Yeah. <laughs> Lighting wasn't it was quite when right. you got to take 100, I was like, come on, team. <laughs> Just open the bloody door. You open the door. And then you're also going to insert a bit from the coffee boat yep. and yep. any other random stuff that you happen to have done. Yep, uh, did I say Dirk Bockles on as well? Uh, yep, so we had Dirk Bockle from Team U Place. He's not racing, but he's always got some interesting things to say. So do you want to do our picks now? Go for gold. Okay, so so it's day before race day. It's you know everyone's kind of talking up the race. It's been an interesting race this year because it's the clear favourites aren't so obvious. And even as I was at the press conference, oh, at the end of today's show, guys, I'm going to put the press conference on. Now you can choose to turn the show off if you want to at that point. <laughs> it's, it's a, I've literally just recorded it, so these gaps and the rest of it. Maybe uh, we should do our, our finish and then you insert. Yeah, that's after. what I'm going to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I'm going to do that. It's uh, it was it was, you know what. It lived pretty, up to expectations. Yeah, stock standard <laughs> answers, which really gave no insight. There weren't that many questions answered. So Andrew Messick got up and spoke for maybe nine minutes. Yeah. And then the whole talk took 30. So there's only about 20 minutes of, of talking. So, and uh, yeah, it was probably a lot less than we've seen in the past. Mm. So, um, yeah, so they kind of rushed them out of there pretty quickly. So, you know, I'll, I'll chuck it on then. If you want to hang around and listen to that, there's... You know, I'll try my hardest mm. and uh, good luck to everyone else kind of answers. So anyway, Jombo, it's time for your picks. So so, so I went on to uh, im-predictions.com, which is Torsten's one. I'm sure you'll be able to get through that from tryrating.com. Can I make one prediction? Mm-hmm. You're not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take me down? I'm looking at my picks here and I'm going, what about, uh, what about? Uh. There's one person in particular who you didn't pick in the top 10. Who would that be? A Freddie Van Leer. The last year's winner is the one going to pull off a top 10. Probably the favourite. Prob- if, if you were going to put any money on somebody getting in the top three, I'd say he'd probably almost be the safest money. Mm. So I, I just basically just randomly picked 10 guys that I thought uh, might come through and I haven't got many of the regulars so I went for first place Bevan Doherty uh, because I want a Kiwi to win so e- that was just pure bias yes Evan, I put Ivan Rana in second I think he is a legitimate are we going to go top 10 or top well I've done 10 you could just do a couple I've, yeah, I've done this yeah. I had Ivan Rana who seriously think he is a chance for the for the win uh, he was one of the fastest runners all round athlete I had Sebastian Keenlay in third those boys will run him down Nils Fromhold uh, Fromhold who I don't think many people will pick but he's had some great form this year uh, but Aaron Otts will run himself up to fifth James Kanama uh, has sixth Timothy O'Donnell in seventh Andrew Starkowitz will fade a bit on the run eighth had to have another Kiwi in there so I put Terenzo there in ninth and winner of Ironman New Zealand Marco Albert in tenth so a bit of a New Zealand theme in there you're not biased uh, but at all. man I tell you when I look through the, hard, this field uh, this so that's so not your real picks really who would you pick no, it's pretty legit. I'm, when I'm looking really, through, so you wouldn't have Pete Jacobs in the top ten. No, no, really, no. I just he's only one bad race here. Yeah, but he hasn't done anything since his last race. Love Pete. I think he's a great guy. But he, I'm not. He, he's definitely one that could win it. But I think he'll either be in the top three or nowhere. So he's one of those guys. Uh, but then when I look through who I haven't picked, you know, uh, Freddie Van Leer haven't picked, should, should be there. Luke Craig McKenzie, Alexander. Luke McKenzie could potentially be there. Um, Nico Linus. Nico Lanos, I think, is another definite potential for winner. Uh, and I've got Andrew Starkowitz in there. Who knows what he's going to do, but uh, he could be a winner. Yeah, there's just so many. It's just ridiculous. So, wow, I can't believe you haven't picked. I can't believe Lon- you haven't picked. 
a couple of people who haven't picked. Okay, who 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 else would you have in there? Though? Okay, so if I'm gonna, I'm, I haven't done, I haven't put a huge amount of thought. In. One thing I found really interesting, and I asked this at the media conference today, and I got a pretty stock standard answer from Corey, which didn't really answer my question. But Vic Frodo is going to be there. Oh yeah, I didn't have Fredino in there. Yeah, mm. you said even Fredino. Yeah, you the ITU guy. Yeah, <laughs> again, is yeah. the reason for that? He's the unknown entity. I think he's going to win, or he's going to get nowhere. Yeah, but the thing about Fredino, which makes it very interesting, is that. If he performs, we can pretty much say he's going to win it. Yep. You know, really, you know, without being kind of, you know, now, have many ITU guys come over and perform the first year? No. Mm. But the factor is, does he bring a, a, a thing to the race that makes other guys take risks earlier because they're worried that they can't let him get too far ahead? I don't think you, I, 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 he'll, he'll be like the others. He'll get dropped by the bikers, yep. uh, you would imagine. So he's going to be in that second pack, and it's how much time they lose, I think. So he's going to be, you know, I would expect him to come off the bike with the likes of Timothy O'Donnell and James Carnamar and guys like that, and then you've got the guys in the break up the road. So I think that's the, ra- the dynamic of the race is going to be how big a gap can they have, and then can anybody pull out a kick-ass run? Okay. And can they close it down? Okay, so I'm going to say... Oh, this is hard, John. It's really hard to pick the winner. Mm. Really hard. I would have said Kinlay, but apparently he's not so sharp right now. That's the word on the street. Word on the street. Word on the street's not so sharp. So um, that 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 did put a bit of a kind of, you know, John. I'm really struggling. Tell me your chicks, and I'll think about my guys. Okay. Um, On the chicks side of things. Went slightly more predictable here. Um, Marinda Carfrey for the win. Meredith Kessler second. Rachel Joyce third. Mary Beth Alice in fourth. Daniela Reef in fifth. Liz Blatchford sixth. Caroline Stephen seventh. Corinne Corin Abraham eighth. Caitlin Snow ninth. And Heather Wirtle tenth. And the ones that I don't have in there that I would really like to, but I just, <laughs> just don't want to. I just. Couldn't figure out who to drop out. I, I definitely think Gina will be in the top ten, but it was just who do I miss? Who do I leave out? But I think she'll be um, somewhere around that sort of fifth place um, yep. as, as a guest. But I was trying to. I wanted to fit Daniela Reef in there somewhere. I was like, where the hell do I put her? She could win. She could get nowhere. So I couldn't squeeze Gina in there, and there was a couple of others that I couldn't quite squeeze in there. But I think she's probably the one that I I should have in there that I don't. This is so hard. I can't believe how hard it is. I really can't believe how hard it is. Okay, I'm, I'm, here's, I'm going to give you some names. I'm not sure who's going to win it, John. It's going to be, I think, top five is going to include Freddie. I, I, think, I think Alexander will get in a top five. Mm-hmm. I, think he, I think he wants respect. I don't think he think you know, like to win it, I don't think I could pick him to win it. But I think if he walks away with top day five tomorrow, or, or, you know, I think he walks away with his head held high. Yep. And uh, he's a wise athlete. And I think maybe if he, if he deep down he knows he's not trying to win it, like, don't get me wrong, I think he wants to win it. Mm. But at the same time, there will become a moment in a race where maybe it's like take a risk, go for the win, or, you know what, get a top five. I think he's of an age now where he'll go, you know what, be really happy to get this top five, let's run well. well he's in great run form. Yeah, and, you know, like someone was saying the other day, he only had a bad swim in Melbourne. He ran mm. and rode really well. So, you know, so I, I wouldn't write Alexander off. I'm no. not sure if I pick him for a win, but I do think he's going to be top five. Um, have I got Freddie Van Leer? I said Freddie Van Leer. Yep. <laughs> Oh, I would definitely put Keenley, but I just—it's hard to know just based on some of the feedback we're getting on the street right now. I would say Keenley. Um, um, is Jacobs going to be there or not? Ivan Rana has to be in there, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say Frodo. I say yeah. I'm going to say he's, I'm not quite sure if he's going to win it, but well, who's, who's going to win it? Come on, okay, put your Frodo. I'm going to put my money. I'm going to back what you won't back. Okay, I'm going to do it. And the only reason I say that is. 
his German race is all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many times did he stop on the run? Like bloody three times and yeah. had five flatties and, and he still was pretty, we were at 242 or something yeah. in the run. So he seems to be a little bit of class above. So if he is that and he could pull that together, to me, he's your money man. But it's such a big question mark. So I'm just putting him out there because I'm, it's just such a hard year to pick. But, you know, look at all the names I've missed. You've got James Kamala, you've got Tim O'Donnell, you've got um, Tyler Butterfield, you've got Nico Lanos, you've got, I didn't even say Pete Jacobs, you know, <clears throat> some high-performing guys who have been there and done that and guys who have consistently done it. Andrew Starkowitz. Jeez, it's a hard year to pick. Yeah. Um, Gills. Torsten, if you're listening, make sure you let us know who, who picked it remotely close because it's, uh, it's not easy. Yeah, no, it's a pretty tough year. Will Marini pull it in? That's the big question. The thing about Rennie is she always has to run great, but the thing about Rennie is she always runs great. Except for a couple of years ago, she didn't. Yeah, but you know, like mm. you know, pretty much every time you can, she kind of seems to have the ability to pop. But she raced right this year. Different strategy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I think it's Caroline Gia. You do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, argue with that. I did only have it down in seventh, but I kind of think that. Yeah, I was just, as I said, I was just plucking names out. All of those girls, I think. So in terms of the potential winners, I think Marinda, Meredith, Joycey, Mary Beth, Daniela, Joycey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniela Reef, Caroline Stephen, and Corinne, Corinne Abraham. I think any one of those ones is going to be for the win. Yeah, I agree, and and it's really hard. I, I agree. I'll say kind of those ones can win it, and I, I, I know I just get the feeling. You know, like sometimes when you talk to Caroline, it's it's really hard for us to make predictions based on the conversations we have with the pros because everyone's got their game face on. And I remember when we were here a couple of years ago, we interviewed Caroline and she was talking the game before the race, but as soon as she, you know, she faded, you know, turned out she was injured and it was a pretty mm. tough day for her. This time it just did seem like there was, you know, she was in a much better place. And we know she's got the ability to pull off a big race day. Um, I don't know, maybe if... if they can get a good little bunch in front of those, you know, good cycling bunch happening. But, you know, maybe we really won't be able to pull off that run this year. Really hard to pick, you know. I wouldn't put my life on anyone winning this, you know, this race. So, yeah, game on. So, guys. So, we really haven't done anything. So Same as everybody. Nobody's picking anybody. Yeah, it's a really hard year to pick. I will say, um, so tomorrow, guys, race day, it's going to be a pretty big day. Now, what I will be doing is I'll be doing a lot of interviews throughout the day, but we will not be releasing those until Sunday. So, uh, we'll release all the post-race interviews, all that kind of stuff. We'll get lots of interviews of John. Well, not so, lots. what I am going to do is, uh, after the race, I'll get Bevan to do an interview with me, maybe one sort of shortly after and then maybe one a little bit later uh, and then I will release that uh, mp3 sort of file just on my Twitter account and Facebook so if you want to follow me there then I'll put that up there so at least you can hear about my race. Now if people want to follow you on the GPS? Yes so you go to, I've got to give a big plug to My Athlete uh, Live so you go myathletelive.com and then they have uh, an events button on there you click on that and then it will have a list of events that they currently have open and one of them is the Ironman Kona World Championships. You've got a list of names down there of all the people that are out there tracking. You've got myself, you've got uh, the Philinator, you've got uh, a couple of the other guys who were training with us this week. You've got Danny Moorwood and you've got Barbara Nelson and Moose Herring as well. So a couple of IM Talk listeners in there. Um, you click on that and that will basically tell you where we are on the course. It will tell you our moves moving speed and all that sort of stuff so if you do want to see us coming down the finishing chute assuming it's all working to plan then uh, you know, you'll be able to see right he's coming down Palani Hill he's going to be finished in about you know, four or five minutes time 
Also, uh, if you're on Facebook or on Twitter and that, and you want to keep in touch with the community, I'll kind of tap in when I can. I'm not sure how good my internet access will be, but when I'm around the internet, I'll be on Facebook, kind of just giving updates and just kind of talking about what's happening out there, and uh, just but, connecting with you guys. Belinda, well, if if she's got internet access, we'll be updating my Twitter account as well during the day, and I'll try to give a couple of words of feedback as I go past. I'm sure I'll be. I love you. Got to give a bit of love. I mean, I haven't used the product yet, uh, but myathletelive.com. Um, it's basically a little chip that you can carry around on a race belt uh, and it's not too big I thought it would be bigger than what it was yeah it's the size of a a, it's a bit bigger than a small matchbox I don't know in different countries how big your matchboxes are but it's it's, I've run with it and it's probably a quarter of a pack of smoke yeah, you know, if you yeah. think of pack of smokes, it's, it's probably a quarter the size of it's that. Not, it's not crazy big or anything like that. Uh, and I think they're only, I think it's 35 bucks or so for, for hire of them. I think it's only North American races you can do it with. But um, great way for, especially for if you've got people at the event. And an event like Kona, when it's pretty in, enduring to be out there in the heat all day. And uh, and you kind of never know when your athlete's well, quite going to come Especially past. if you've got people who aren't at the event. Because it's always frustrating when you've got a friend mm. doing a race. And that Ironman.com is not updated very well. And it'll be, you know, it can be hours whereas if you go onto this website you can see where your mate is all the time so for 35 bucks it seems like a pretty cool investment to keep your world kind of updated with how you're going one weekend 29.95 one week 59.95 two weeks 89.95 or monthly 119.95 so Check it it's out. a bloody good deal they send it out to you they give you a little package to send it back in and uh, it's nice and easy so it's myathletelive.com click on the events and then you'll find myself and the fillinator on there and also I'll put a link to that dub 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 on imtalk.me today with these show notes so if you want to go there tomorrow when you're doing that once again I'll be on Facebook throughout the day probably a lot in the cycle probably not so much in the run because I'll go to the media room for the cycle so put your feet up have put a few, few Gatorades put right, a few sandwiches that's right hey, it's quite cool the media room is really cool because a lot of pros go in there you're non-racing pros and it's just kind of a cool atmosphere in the media room isn't it mm-hmm. yeah so Mac will be in there giving you a live commentary of what's going to happen when, um, when I'm in there be thinking of me when you're out there you think, oh, <laughs> you know, poor Bevan he's having to sit down and watch this all day Okay, so we're going to put the interviews in now, guys. So we'll start with Macca, and we've got about four or five interviews coming up in between. I'll put a few interviews from the coffee boat, and uh, we'll be back at the end. Here we go. Right, we are still at the residence on Ali Drive that was, cannot be disclosed. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> it's pretty flash, that's the only thing I say. And uh, we've, done, we've had a chat with Caroline, had a chat with Terenzo, Torenzo Bozzoni, and now we have Chris McCormick. So welcome back to the show, Chris. Thank you. Back at the pad in... Yeah, yeah. It's okay. the, all you can say is the greenhouse. It's the greenhouse. It's the greenhouse on a leaky drive. It's the greenhouse. It's, it's been my home in Kona for it's beautiful it's 2008. Spot. It's beautiful 2008, spot. yeah. So um, I think a lot of people are wondering, we've just asked you the question about you, you're still racing a little bit, I mean, um, but you're also doing a lot of work. So how, how seriously are you taking the racing these days? I'm the quintessential age grouper, and yeah. I will be the quintessential age grouper for my whole life. I, yeah. I, I, said, I don't think people believed me when I said I'd race triathlon for the rest of my life, but I didn't. I won't necessarily be at the pointy end all the time, and I, I train twice a day, yeah. but definitely the intensity's not there. And like any amateur out there who works, you fit it in where you can around family and work. But work's first priority, family's second priority, and, and triathlon is third priority. Where in years past it was, I'd have to say it was triathlon first, family then, yeah. then work. Yeah. So. Well, but triathlon was the job. Could I ask? There's, there seems to be a bit of frustration around ex-pros racing age group mm-hmm. and and I know your few as well that if they've got a job they're, their age group is but what's your thoughts? I, I tend to agree I, I'm, I actually did a race this year in Bintan in just across uh, in Indonesia from Singapore you catch the ferry across and there was no 
elite category. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went over with a whole group from my the centre I work at and uh, and I said, oh, well, they entered me in the age group and, mm-hmm. and I won the age group. Well, a couple of guys were annoyed. And I said, look, I, I don't make the rules, but I wouldn't mind racing. And if there was an yeah. elite category, I'd race in it, but I'm an age grouper. And, and one of the gentlemen said, it's not fair, you're a professional. I said, look, mate. I have a full-time job. I have three kids. I'm married. I am the quint. I train when I can. I am as much an age grouper as you are. Sure, if there was a pro field, I would race in it and happily get my butt kicked. But there's got to come a point where you, you can, yeah. you know, when, I, when I'm no longer a pro. Mm. It's not my, my primary source of income and I, uh, and, I, and my priorities have shifted. So... What, do I have to have a five five years off and not race? I, I, I'd i like to keep racing. No, because Eugen's going to come back next year, isn't he? Yeah. yeah he, and, and, he, he qualified, he in, qualified Malaysia. in Malaysia. Yeah, yes. yeah. And, and, and uh, someone sent us an email was kind of upset that Eugen was going to be racing as an age gripper. I was like, well... He's 50. Yeah. He yeah, hasn't like, been a pro and, for and, 10 years. And if it's you've a, been a pro, you can never race again. It's mm. it's hard. Like, but, I understand. I remember Steve Larson. Sides, yeah, Steve Larson years ago got crucified for it, and I was very good friends with Steve and at the time you know the guy's got five had five children he was working 70 hours a week starting his own business he hadn't raced for 18 months he had retired but he had all these freaking flyer miles from years of traveling and his wife said why don't we go they missed coming to Hawaii so she's like why don't we take the kids to Hawaii and he qualified as an age grouper and he got slammed he's like mate I'm I'm the quintessential age grouper. I don't train. I train. Well, not the age groupers don't train, but I. It, it is a matter of priorities. And my this is the third on my priority list. And uh, I'd like to be able to go back. And I, I, I supported him at the time. I think there's a, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, it's as an age grouper, you're supposed to be the best in your age. And if I'm 41 years of age and I've got a full time job and kids, then yeah, you run around. You should be able to race me. What's the enjoyment factor for you though when you're racing? Because I was never at your level, um, but when I came back to doing some racing, you're never as fast as what you were. And how do you get the enjoyment out of the racing when you're not going as fast as you used to? I don't have any issues with any, anyone I'm racing anymore. Not that I had issues with people all the time, but I, I always... I you were always playing the game, but weren't you? I was playing the game a bit, yeah. but I, 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 I think of it now when you know, I, I did a race recently back home and I, I got beaten by a, a young kid, a um, guy that trains with us, Freddie Cronenberg. Yeah. And... Uh, I was like, I was happy for him. It's like watching Terenzo on these because I'm actually le- legitimately happy for the guys because mm-hmm. I don't – I'm just doing it for me now. I don't need to define myself with a race win or by being at the pointy end. I, uh, I'm quite content with what I did personally in my career and it was never for me about satisfying other people. It was about satisfying my own inner hunger and, and now I just enjoy being a part of it and I enjoy sharing other people's journeys and, uh, and I'm not trying to define myself through race results. So I – I came to triathlon as a junior kid. It was never about money or, or winning races. It was about being the best I can be, and and that that still applies. Working full time with the family and and trying to be a good role model for my kids, and whether I'm winning races or or coming thirtieth, it's still the same thing. I like being a part of the community. This triathlon. We um we, we we've got our legends podcast, and we've had some really good interviews with guys. And and it seems to be the two types of guys who retire. There's a guy and a guy who takes a bit of time to find the next life. And then there's the guy who, and, and I don't think you're this guy, but you know, I remember Mike Pig said it's hard to, to stop being Superman, and, uh, and you know, and there was this sense when we talked to Mike Pig that this kind of overwhelming, well, not overwhelming, but this kind of sense that, you know, I can never have what I had at that moment in my life. How have you found the transition away from being Superman, if you know what I mean? And like, I know you're quite a positive kind of character in yourself, but have there been struggles? Um, to a- athletically, I think my, you know, I, I, I just. Today I did a, a corporate speech in Maui for a group of um, funds managers. Nice. And this question actually came up about this transition across 
from being an athlete to a corporate athlete, how I, how I made that. And, uh, and I said that the biggest influence in my life was my father because I think to some degree he, he always saw my life as, a, as an athlete, as a blessed existence. It wasn't real, you know. He's like, this is not, this is not what life is all about. Chris, you might be great at swimming and biking and running, but the fact that you've made a living out of this and the fact that people admire you for it is, you know, it's not going to last forever, mate, you know? And, and, and so he was always kept me quite level-headed within my family. So for me, my, it's, it's how I've measured myself. And, you know, winning was one part, but it was how I was corporately able to, to, to take that win, win on Sunday and, and do something with it on Monday that I always define myself at. And, and I felt that that kept my father the most happy if I could... If I could monetize the success or, or do something beyond just physically being good, so the transition to the corporate world for me was was quite smooth because I've always, without sounding cocky, felt mm. that I was relatively intelligent and mm. uh, and always was always thinking, how do I take what I've done here athletically and make something of it, you know, next the next yeah, day, and, yeah. and and so uh, so how do you be a successful person? Isn't totally, yeah, and and I, uh, you know. People always measured me in, in by swimming, biking, and running. People within the industry only saw you as a triathlete, and and that used to frustrate me to some degree. And I, and um, but now it's I, I I I'm happy where I'm at, and uh, the transition across. I think there's a lot of similarities in the corporate world to the athletic world. You know, it's understanding who your competitors are, and and under, and and you find other ways of satisfying that desire to. It's a lot of problem solving, isn't it? It is, and yeah. that's and that's what triathlon was for me. Yeah. Especially this race here in, in Hawaii was was solving a, a problem that I had with dealing with this event, and 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 it was the most satisfying journey of my life because it I didn't have instant success here. I'd had instant success in many other events I did. I had won a world championship eighteen months into being a professional athlete, and uh, yet this event took me five years to conquer. So it was uh, I think that problem solving part of, of this race has been a, a really good big plus for me moving uh, out of this sport yeah. so what's what's the objective being here this week i'm here to support friends i you know i t's a a really good friend of mine he mm-hmm. came last time he raced here was 2010 we both stayed in his house when i when i won and uh mm-hmm. he came back i said look i'd love to come and watch you and obviously working with with caroline and james mm-hmm. um i promised them i'd come across caroline's never had a a person here on 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 island that supported her in this event and uh and just being a part of of their journey, and and you know it's a it's a great week to be here. I've only known being in Hawaii since two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only you know every October I'm here, so yeah, yeah. it would feel quite empty if I I didn't come. You know, though I'm not hanging around for the party this year. I told Carolyn today that I'm out Sunday. She couldn't believe it. She's like, "What if I win? You've got to stay." I said, "Well, I got to get back to work." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's got responsibilities. Uh, yeah, got responsibilities, but it's uh, you know I, I do enjoy this time of year, and it, and it feels very very nice. A lot of people ask me on the flight here. There's a lot of triathletes coming in across from Maui. Um, does it feel strange not racing? I said, no, no, yeah. no, 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 I'm very, very content. To, you know, <laughs> you I, what, admire but don't desire. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. You know, yeah. these guys are, are, are very, very fit and very, very ready to race and, and uh, it'd be just nice to admire from a distance. Uh, and in terms of Tanyapura, any news from Tanyapura? I know you had some camps, uh, sort of you had your super camp and stuff, but anything yeah. uh, you want to promote coming up at Tanyapura? No, we have the big camp coming up for the Phuket event. We've got Maria Sharapova and it's oh, staying really? there. Oh, really? It's got to pull some numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sold out. Yeah, sold. She's, well, she arrived today. She's in with us for 10 days prior to the Singapore event. Serena Williams was coming, but she just had an injury, so she pulled out of Singapore 
we just had all the F1 guys through. So for on my end, it's a matter of being, for me. It's been connecting a lot of the sports people outside of triathlon to the offerings we have there in Phuket, and it's so centrally located for a lot of these events that are opening up in Asia. Yeah. You know, Asia's a, an amazing place. I'd never really done a lot of time there. I'd race, you know, you go there for a week, yeah. and you know, but having lived there for the last year, it's a uh, Oh, it's just a melting pot of excellence. There's so much going on and so many opportunities. And, and on the sporting front, in, in car racing and tennis and football and, and mm-hmm. triathlon even, there is so much happening that, that we're so well located that it was a matter of connecting these people and, and having them utilise our facilities and our resort. And yeah. that's been the main aim. Um, Caroline spoke pretty highly of your, her experience working with you as a coach. I told her that she had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really easy. No, but like. You know, like you've been the athlete, you know, and now you're testing yourself on that kind of level. What What are the challenges for you being a coach? Well, I, the first thing when Carolyn came to me, and I don't see myself as a professional coach, mm. uh, you know, and I said that to her. I said, she's like, how much? First thing, how much? I said, I don't want anything from you. You know, I, I don't. It's not about me. Mm. I said, I, there's nothing I'm going to be able to tell you that you haven't already done or you don't already know. You know, I said hopefully there's I become one member of a big team that you grow to ultimately get the success you're after and you know I believed in her last year prior to her winning the race I spent some time training prior to her doing the race last year she never won but I spent some time training with her in 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 Asia and uh, I just saw an athlete that was ridiculously talented Mm. and uh, but I don't think she saw herself in the mirror as the person that we saw her as. And uh, I think that was her biggest limitation. So when she approached me, there was a lot of questions about how we got together as coach and athlete. She came to me and, and asked if I would help guide her. And I was pretty clear with her. I said, look, I'm happy to help. You know, I there's nothing I'm going to tell you that you don't already know. I think you should have won this race multiple times already. You know, you've let yourself down. And I said, it's about getting things right in your head and, and, and being happy. And, and not defining yourself, not holding on. This race doesn't define you. Nothing defines you except you. And I said, when you become comfortable with that, you'll be comfortable with yourself on this island and, and you'll ultimately do what you're capable of doing. And she's a amazing athlete, an, mm. a, an amazing trainer, amazingly disciplined, uh, way more disciplined than I ever was. I admire her a lot and I've learned a lot from her. Often chicks are, but don't they? Oh, it's just, I, I just look at her and she just blows me away. Mm. And, you know, she did five weeks with us in Thailand. And I said, why don't you come to us so I can... We were talking of coming here on training camp, sort of replicating the things I'd done. Mm. I said, look, Carolyn, it's it's not about me. You know, let, let's go back to what you need. You know, I said, why don't you consider grabbing a team, coming to Thailand, I can give you the facilities to train <laughs> out of at Tanyapura. We have excellent facilities. The, the weather is identical to Kona. We have all the stuff here that you need. And uh, then I can be watch you day on day and, and, and make sure you're doing the workloads. She came and I've never seen a person put together a, in my entire career a block of work like that. Mm. She was incredible. Really? And every day she's like, oh, what do you think? I'm like, what do you think? <laughs> you know, like she just amazed me. And, and she just seems to be in a better headspace. And I think as a person that's huge. And I, you know, I really believe she can win this race, you know, but I can't run out of the energy lab for her. Mm-hmm. I've told her that. And, and no coach, every coach will get you to, 
you know, to the eight-hour mark of this race, but you've got to run home on your own, and that's that's a, that's a battle you're going to have with yourself, and that's not one I can fight for us. So my my whole approach with with working with athletes is all on the cerebral part, is working with the head, because I know how important that was in my career. I think I lost. I didn't win this race in the early years because I didn't have the head to do it. I wasn't mm. tough enough, mm. really, and I, and I was too hollow emotionally, and and it wasn't physicality because I was winning these races all over the world. It was when the big hard questions were asked of me in this event, I had nothing there to answer them with, and that's that's the difference between the guys who win and lose this thing and the girls. Mm. The race this weekend, boys. Jeez, oh, I, I. It's funny. No, it, it, nobody's it, it, picked really, this guy. This is going to Yeah, I. I <laughs> You know, history shows that only one guy's have won on debut, but if anyone's going to do it again, it's Fredino. I, uh, I think his Frankfurt race was spectacular. You know, if you're, if you're playing a safe bet, I'd, I'd take uh, Freddie again to defend. You know, people are like, oh, well, but Freddie, you know what he's going to do and he's going to do it, yeah. whether it's quick enough to win. If someone excels, they'll, they'll take him out, but he'll drop an 8.15 and uh, if that's quick enough to win, it's quick enough to win. You know, he's consistently going to do that, but... You know, I think uh, there's been a whisper of Sebi having some issues. If there's no issues there, I'd love to see Sebastian win. I, mm. mate, I, I think Rana is uh, he's flying under the radar. Mm. His Austria race was spectacular. You know, I think you know people are going to laugh. I've said it today. I think Crowe can maybe not win, but geez, you give him a sniff and he'll win. Like mm. he, uh, you know, take his take his swim out of the equation in Melbourne. He biked and ran as quick as all the boys there so in Kona he's never missed the front bunch it's a non-wetsuit swim and he put him there he is as anything's possible people are like mate give me a break but I think he can do it oh, there's so many it's, but it's just, it's just ridiculous it's ridiculous it's like every <laughs> but year it's, but it's, but it's more than every year because normally every year like when you're in your time it's yeah. kind of like five or six years totally. you know there was probably 15 guys but really it was five or six years yeah, yeah, yeah. want to come down totally to Whereas this year, it's it's it is ten to you know yeah, 10 yeah. To twelve guys who you kind of go. I, I just think I ultimately think it's it's going to be the guys that can bang these quick marathons. We said the same last year, and no one did it. Yeah. Mm. And 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 this new big this passing rule on the bike with the big packs out of the swim makes the the bike a little more difficult because it's not so even paced as back in the old days. There's fast and slow where you got to drop some big power to get past the entire group, and that that decimated the field last year yeah. and. Uh, you know, it's it's we, we're going to find out. I I, I think Jan Frodeno can save the sport. I think if if he was to win this thing, it's just a it's a it's fantastic. You're an Olympic champion. You know that that really escalates the sport to another level. You know he, he's the Ironman world champion on on debut. He's the Olympic champion. He's married to an Olympic champion. He's a good looking bloke. He's professional. He's the type of guy that could take this sport in, into the next the next level because he, he's really the poster boy of this sport if he pulls it off. But Kona's Kona, you know. We know you've got to go out for sushi. No, I'm we've, in got no to, rush. we've got to go I'm for no dinner. Rush. Oh, yeah. If you're not in no rush, there's a couple more questions. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm in no rush. So, um, girls' race, I know you're without your Caroline Barrett bias. Well, well obviously, let's get to Caroline. Yeah, yeah, no, no, totally. I th- I, the, happily, I, I've told Caroline, so not, you know, yeah. this is uh, a conversation I've had a lot with Caroline. This is the first year I've really focused on women because you're working more with women. So, uh, I um I, I think obviously Rennie's uh you know, performance in Roth was spectacular. She's she's worked on a bike ride, but you know, the girls are dealing with pack riding for the first time. In the men's race, pack riding came apparent in two thousand five, two thousand six. Before that, you know, my first few years here you were solo. So once the pack came into play, the whole game changed and, and the girls are starting to go through that now. You saw that for the first year last year, with five of them getting off the bike and 
and you got Daniela Reef coming across and, and Jodie Swallow is going to swim hard and Leander's going to be there. So you've got this front group of girls that can, can set a good early tempo um, and they're all trying to keep Rennie off the back. But I, I think Rennie, uh, Rennie is your girl to beat. I think Caroline will impress people with, with her improved run um, and, and just being smart for once, you know, like... You know, I don't just speaking to her and, and understanding how she's raced this race in years past. It's it's you know the, you know you've just got to be smart. It's not mm. not the biggest hit doesn't win. I think I think Rachel will be right there. I you know I I think Daniela's going to be strong early. I don't know if she's got the run to get this home, and uh, she's had a busy busy year. Uh, it's a typical Sato year, but she's going to be there. Jodie Swallow's going to be there, but you know if you if you're putting your house on it. I'd, I'd go Carolyn or Rennie. No, oh, um, we always have this question with the guys, you know, why are they not running faster? Is it the bikes just smoking them? Yeah, I think it's the way the bike ride's ridden now. You know, this, this passing rule, remember that the, the drafting rule has gone from 7 metres to 12 metres in the last, uh, what, since 2004. Um, so it's a, it's a much fairer bike ride, but this entire passing rule, we used to be able to, you know, you used to be able okay. to pull out yeah. and, and, and move up to the right in front of you. And once their wheel passed, they had to drop back. Mm. That doesn't apply anymore. You, if you make a pass, you have to pass the entire group. So, you know, matches, you? you're burning matches. And, and, and there's this, there's so many guys getting out of the water together now that, that, that the first 60 or 70K, you're laying way too much power trying to position yourself. And you're seeing guys pop. I think if you look at last year's race, that's why the back end of these got it came in. You know, there was a big group turning at Harvey, and then it got blown and shattered to pieces. And and it ultimately takes its toll on the on the run. You know, two forty. You know, Mark Allen was a good runner. Mm. Dave Scott, good runner. Crowey's great runners. You know, mm. we talk about a different course, but you know, I, I think the guys are capable of running quicker, mm. and they're doing it on other courses. But you know, I, I think here in coming in Kona, it's uh, you know, you get yourself in a position to win this thing. You, you start to you think, okay, oh, I don't want to take any chances. You, you know, I know I, in, in 07 when I ran out of the lab, I was on well under 240 pace. I ended up running 41s. Mm. But I, at, coming out of the lab, I had six or seven on Crowey. Mm. I wasn't taking any chances worrying about a sub-240 marathon. Yeah. For, for me, it was Make shut this down, get home and, and, and control, be wise. And, and this race has become the only race that matters in this sport. You it know, really is, isn't it? It's, it? The sport has grown so rapidly at the detriment of other events that in order to shine now, you have to perform at this race. And uh, and that plays on the minds of every single pro here. And you ask any pro that races, if you won this race in nine hours, would you care as a man? they go, mate, I'd win it in 10. I just want to win it, you know? Like, I'll deal with the people bagging the time after it. But to, to get this title will change their life. And, and, and I think people play defensive now. No. My, my final question. I've got one final I've question. I've got two. You've got two? Yeah, I've got okay. one. So three questions. No, three questions. <laughs> that's it. Three, that's yeah, it. No, oh, you're, right. you're good. I'm good. Um, <laughs> I've got to keep you for the three in the morning. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Bevan's asked me this question before about ITU guys coming across, and I'm always harping on they're going to crush it. I'm convinced if Gomez came across, he would absolutely just decimate it. Did, what about what about Brownlee? Do you think he'd make it an OK Ironman or not? Or do you think uh, he'd just go nut bar and blow up? I think Javier Gomez could win Kona this year if he came across. Yeah. I think Javier Gomez will be the greatest triathlete the world's ever seen. He's amazing. And I had this argument prior to 70.3 Worlds. I said it to Terenzo last year. I said, mate, start winning races because this kid is unbelievable. Mm. And 
and the only guy that's been able to take him out on the ITU circuit is the Brownleys. And uh, and I, I don't know if they've got the body to survive it. I know Alistair doesn't like the heat. To win an Ironman, he's definitely got the engine to do it. Um, does he want to do it? You know, that's 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 one question. I know Javier, Javier seems to, in my opinion, I know, I'm, I'm speaking out of school here because I've never asked these guys this question, but he seems to enjoy the sport more than the Brownleys do. He seems to have a... He's always racing, isn't he? Yeah, he seems to really enjoy triathlon and and the brownies seem to do it because they're good at it mm. and they're very very good at it and they 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 do it for a set purpose and and kona like it did for lessing mm. you know if you don't love right. this sport mate mm. it's going to expose you out there because when you look into the into that inside when you run out of that lab you better you better like what you see because there's no talent's going to get you home it's it's determination and guts and and uh, do you think you'll leave it a bit late no way, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I think... Because, uh, you know, after the Olympics, obviously, he's going to... Yeah, yeah, I think he'll go for the Olympics and, you know, he's already a 70.3 world champion. He'll win that all the way through the games if he wants and uh, I just think he's perfectly built for it. He loves heat. He ticks all the boxes to win. He, he already does the volume. He's flawless in every single thing, in every single discipline. And uh, would it be an embarrassment for the sport? Like if he came along and he just like it'd be fantastic oh, for the sport. Yeah. Oh no, 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 great! But wouldn't yeah, it be, yeah. be an embarrassment for all the guys behind him? Like if he, would he be that much better? I think he'd, he'd, he'd raise the bar. You know, this is it's why like Chrissy, isn't it? Yeah, this is why we do the sport. You know, there's a lot of a lot of guys that you know, I never want the sport to get stuck in my era or day. You know, I get annoyed with it. We're still stuck in Mark and Dave's era. Yeah. And I love Mark and Dave, but come on, like let's. Yeah. Let's get past that. Let's get past Crowey and me. Let's look at the Fredinos. Let's let's keep pushing the envelope. Bring. I'd love Javier Gomez and, and Alistair Brownlee to be here racing. Make it a true world championship. Imagine you know? if they paid appearance fee. Mm. Well, yeah. just if you're the Olympic champion, you should be in. If you're an Olympic medalist, yeah. you're in. Like, uh, okay, a lot of people are going to say that's not fair, but, no, but you know, it's a, it's a world championship. I I think the, the sport needs it because I think with the Olympics, and that's why I really, and I have no favourites for this of Ace, and I, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm close friends with Yard, yeah. Fredino, but I think success with an Olympic medal behind it for triathlon as a, as a, as a lover of, of Ironman racing, as you know, you stick an Ironman champion who walks into a room and he's also an Olympic champion. It's mm. it's freaking pretty cool, mate, yeah. and, and it really starts to to give some some kudos to the guys that came before him, and uh, and and to the legitimacy of the sport because there's still a lot of people out there thinking, oh yeah. You know, it is what it is, you know, but and I think uh, success by those guys will, will change the way we view ITU racing and I think it'll bring the, the sport a lot closer together and you'll, you'll start looking at the ITU fields instead of going, well, they draft and they're no good, you'll start looking for your talent in the ITU. And, uh, you know, I see guys like David Haas and, you know, I, I really looked at him a few years ago as a guy that could really make the jump. Tyler Butterfield's made the jump and, and I think... Uh, and Richard Murray would be another good guy who could who could mm. potentially come across this way and do some big things. Andrew Missett came into the sport, what, three or four years ago? Mm. Um, and, and, you know, he's definitely done some good things. Um, I'm not sure if he, if we should really ask him if we get a chance, but what kind of grade he gives himself is and, you know, where he thinks he's achieved what he was hoping to set out to achieve. But one of the things he did say is, you know, he was really kind of keen on making the sport that next big step, which mm-hmm. um, which I, we probably can't say he's really hit it yet. Um, what, what, what do you see... Are the factors that are going to help create that? Where do you think we are right now? And what do you think, you know, like, what grade would you give Andrew up to this point? Well, you got to look, you know, as, as an athlete, most of the people in the sport, they're going to look at Andrew as uh, as the Antichrist, you know. But uh, as a 
as any corporate would look at him as as a as a as a CEO, he's exceptional. Mm. What he's done for the sport and the time he's taken over, he's he's driven the amount of he's everything's up. He's yeah. he's driven the numbers up. He's driven he's dropped the bottom line. He's increased the profits. He's he's increased the value of of the brand in the sense that I think the numbers were and I'm, I'm don't quote me on these, but I think prior to his arrival, we were spending say a hundred and Every single person who went to an Ironman was spending $150 yeah. at an Ironman. They're now spending 250 yeah. So he's yeah. he's added value across the board. They've just gone to market and, and what, pulled $240 million. So they've, 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 they've thrown it all onto debt. So they've paid themselves back quite, quite substantially. And I think as a CEO, exceptional CEO. Now, when we look at it as a sport, what's, what's the costs? And, uh, and we, we get to see that. I think... Uh, you know, I think someone's going to get caught in the crossfires. And, uh, you know, you've got to look at the, you know, as being a CEO now of a smaller operation, you know, I, I look at it a little bit more objectively. And, 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 and if I was running the organisation, I probably would be looking at the pros as an area of, of, of starting to ask myself, well, what are you guys doing that adds value to this sport? There's a small group of them there, but you need to start adding value. So I always say to the pros out there, guys, it's not up to the sport to do something for you, mate. You know, you've got to start doing something for the sport. You've got to be more professional. And, uh, you know, they've given you a platform. But it's not – I think a lot of the athletes look at the, the sport like a like the doll in Australia, you know, like the, you need to do something for me. You know, well, those athletes are, are destined to always feel shortchanged. You, you really need to use this platform, use the fact that many of the big corporates of the world, many of the big bankers in New York, many of the big people – do this sport well how can you take your success as a pro and and, and jump the shark mm. and, and and use this platform of uh, of ironman racing to 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 further yourself professionally because the sport's not going to pay you and uh, so what do i think i i have i'm mixed you know as a ceo i'd employ andrew messick tomorrow yep. and uh but as a as an athlete i I'd say you bastard. <laughs> Give me back the old sport, but it's it's never coming back. So you know, as an athlete, you need to move with the times and change, and 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 then realise that the old days when the, the big money was on appearance fees is gone. So how else can I can I find a way of of of, of leveraging what this sport's giving me and, and maximising what I can make in the back end? That's being a professional. If you're not doing that, then you're just a fit person who doesn't work. Mm. And there's a lot of guys out there with pro cards, and I call them fit guys without a job. Mm. You know, they just they're living the lifestyle, and that's not professional sport. That's that's mm. just living a lifestyle. Nice plugs tenupora dot com, Macarex, Macarex, you plugged it. Wow. Yeah. There we go. Uh, anything else going on that you want to get out there? Um, no, I just want to wish everyone who's racing this weekend a great race and enjoy it. I know I've got a lot of friends doing their first one. Mm. They're all anxious and uh, anyone who's doing their first Kona, enjoy it because it's going to be over before you know it and yeah. there's nothing like your first time. I still think, I still remember my first time here 2002 with, with uh, you know, both bitter and sweet memories. So enjoy it and smile for the camera. You know, I was watching your, um, I, I, I do public speaking, I actually use, what, I use your, what was it, your, your, your radio, what year was that, 2010? Or 11, was it? 2010. 10, when I was last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I used that, I was watching the clip of that, that, that race. It was such an awesome race. And I love that moment in the video where you guys, you know, you kind of, you acknowledge the, the uh, mark that I'm all bit. Yes. You kind of just, it was just a beautiful moment where we're about to go into battle. Let's respect each other before we go. It was just, I don't know, just thought it was such a cool moment. Oh, yeah. the shaking hands part with yeah. Andreas. Yeah, because, okay, you, yeah. you know, like you just, yeah. you're, there's this moment where you, this thing you both desire so much. 
No, well, I was saying I beat you, I beat you. No, I'm joking. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bucks as I beat you. No, I'm kidding. It wasn't that nice. No, I'm joking. <laughs> You're a soft yeah, cock. I'm, j- yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but it's just a really cool moment. Yeah, you yeah. know, like it was just a real human moment before a very big challenge, and it was quite cool. Yeah. yeah so. He's racing this year. I hope. I, oh, I, I hope he does I hope well. And so do I. He's, yeah. a, he's a really nice guy. He'll definitely go down as, if he, you know, he's getting a bit long in the tooth now, but he'll definitely go down as one of the greats who didn't win it. Yeah, oh, definitely. And that was, you know? uh, yeah, with that. Well, who knows? He could do it this year. He said he's coming in this year, relax and, and no expectation. And sometimes yeah, you couldn't write him off, could you? Like, sometimes you have the race of your life, but it's uh, he's, he's definitely a long shot. Definitely yeah. a long shot. Yeah. Dinner time. Ding ding. Ding ding. Thanks, sushi. thanks as always time. for your time. Yeah, Too easy. Thanks. Cheers. So, team, I'm out here on the coffees of Hawaii boat, and I have to say, this is probably one of the most special parts of the whole Kona experience here. The swim out to the Kona boat is, is you know, the, the water here is absolutely phenomenal and it really is. You kind of go out and you've got the fish underneath you, nice clear water. And I think the other day, I think, Guy, you were here the other day when the dolphins were here, weren't you? You know, it was my one day I wasn't out of the boat. Oh, really? I know, it's a disappointment. Because we were out for dinner last night and we were speaking to the, uh, the girl serving us and she was saying there's up to, up to like 30, 40 dolphins. Yeah, there's often 30, 40 dolphin pods that come out uh, this morning on my way out there's a massive manta ray really? yeah it was really cool we're just dropping the banner and just swam past about 10 feet away really cool yeah it's, a, it's, it's so special and you kind of swim out here and then you come out to the boat and there's there's almost like this community drop off within this swim and people come out and you kind of catch up tell a few stories and it's just a calm relaxed atmosphere and uh you know, this week provides lots of cool experiences that you can kind of do. You know, the race is obviously what people are here for, but there's these little moments each day where you kind of get to, you, you know, that you'll remember forever. And, and the Coffees of Hawaii boat definitely delivers on that. And so, you know, hopefully you guys who are kind of sitting in your office right now or out there training on your bike, hopefully one day you'll get to be here and either as a spectator or as, you know, maybe one day racing and come out and have these experiences, the underpants run and, and the Coffees of Hawaii boat because it really is just a pretty special place to be in the world right now so yeah so give me name and where you're from Dennis I live in Framingham Massachusetts Dennis what are you doing here on the boat I just came out for an early morning swim got Ironman Florida coming up in a few weeks so I'll get some early training in so you're here supporting and uh, tell us you know it's your second time back supporting I think you said yeah I come out here I take a vacation hang out with the kids and I just get to watch a wonderful race What's it like coming as a supporter? Ah, oh, it's awesome. You kind of, you know, you get the full-on experience. You don't have to be worrying about the race. You get to go to the uh, thank God I'm not racing party tonight. Drink as much as you can. Wake up with a hangover. Watch the swim start. Uh, you got your priorities right. Now I think you said to me yesterday that you decided last minute to come. Was that true? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to come, and then you know, I look at the flights and thought, yeah, I could make that happen. So we did. We came over and haven't regretted a moment of it. Yeah. Hey, we'll have a good time in Florida and have a good weekend as well. Okay, next up we got we got who from where? Tony Hodge from Sydney, Australia. Iron, Iron Gill, Iron isn't it? Gill, yeah. 101. <laughs> 101. Past 101 now, aren't you? <laughs> no, you're always learning something every Ironman you do. So, Tony, how are you finding the experience? Oh, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, so, racing tomorrow morning and really looking forward to it. It's going to be hot, windy, bloody tough day, but it's going to be amazing. Are you a nervous soul? Um, I I can be nervous. I'm not nervous yet. Maybe talk to me this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And how has your prep for the race gone? Um, it, well, coach seems to think it's gone okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's. I think I'm as ready as I'll ever be. I don't think you. I don't think you ever feel completely ready, but you just do what you can. And uh, have you have you done this race before? No, first time to Kona. 
So what's the like? You know, after Nasser's you know, what's the experience been like for you this week? You know, kind of when when did you arrive and what what have been some of the highlights you've had this week? So we got here last Wednesday, and um, I guess the thing that that struck me most was just the landscape, the landscape of the lava fields, and and it's just so barren out there on the Queen K. It's just amazing. Um, you've got no shelter on the bike course, so that's been something that's just blown my mind. And then just it's just such a laid-back town. It's built up this week, but it's been it's just been so relaxing and so cool to be a part of. Um, seeing everything start to get built up this week with the finish line and it's just incredible just amazing to be part of this history and you know this is the birthplace of Ironman and it's just such a privilege to be a part of that. What about the social side of this week you know um, tell us about you know have you been meeting up with new people have you been getting out amongst it kind of hanging out with your friends triathlon friends and stuff like that? Yeah we came we came out with Tri Travel so I'll give them a plug they've been very cool. Um, they did organised orientations of different parts of the course for us and and welcome dinners and then we had the Team Kiwi welcome function, um, afternoon tea and um, yeah meeting people back from my hometown in Christchurch, catching up with them it's um, yeah just been a really cool week. You're in triathlon heaven aren't you? I am in triathlon heaven <laughs> Have a good luck, good luck tomorrow. Thanks Bevan Righty-ho, on today's uh, second episode from Kona Islander. You need to, you need to wipe now. Yeah. Um, Seriously, you're, 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 you're like a five-year-old. Can't concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> can't even concentrate. We've got a multiple Ironman winner, multiple challenge it's a winner. Cold, cold. She can't even concentrate. <laughs> it's just like having another kid here, you know? Well, you're, you're the kid. I know. Um, my wife's not here to look after me Exactly. Yet. Well, luckily I am. But we have multiple Ironman winner, multiple top 10 place getter in Kona, and uh, recently took out Meta Man, I think. Yep, yep. recently took out Meta Man and uh, Gina Crawford. Good, solid Kiwi. Welcome back to the show. Nice to be here. What's the. Um, what do you think of John's Tacos Festival? Oh, they're Nachos. looking really good. Oh. I'd, I'd love to have some, but I'm, I'm not I'm, sure it's pre race food for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got a few days. I've got a few days. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the first question I've got for you is Bevan and I did the voice over work for Challenge Wanaka this year and I know you didn't have your Estella race there but the first thing I noticed when we were looking at the footage was a significant change in your running techniques so can you maybe just talk us through that a little bit first? Are you talking about the, the run technique in Wanaka? Yeah. yeah. Oh okay. It looks significantly um, different to what we've normally seen. Yeah that was, I got... Um, I've worked a lot on my run since yeah. then. I, I got the wrong end of the stick when I was yeah. at Wadika, so that was nothing like what I'm running now. Um, yeah. I was trying to slow down my cadence, maybe. Yeah. Um, after that, I went to a camp in, um, in Kona, actually, and so my coach was right there and just ran next to him. He was like, do this, do that. Mm. And I'm running completely differently than in Wanaka. Um, so, yeah. How has it been for you this year? Because um, you've you've got a coach and I'm not sure if it was Matt, it's still Mac Dixon yeah 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 uh, I think up until then you've been self-coached for a few years or maybe maybe not fill us in on the transition to working with Matt who's you know quite a scientific sort of coach maybe fill us in on, on what changes you've made and how that's been for you in terms of 
changing your mindset on how you train and maybe losing a bit of control on what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yes, I I, um, went with Matt straight after Kona last year. I I just knew I I couldn't coach myself anymore. Um, I didn't know what to to do. I was sick um, sick of second-guessing what I was doing all the time and I immediately made contact with him and started working with him then. Um, The first few months we had to... Um, really work on the technique because I've never had any um, coaching really at all. Um, I've never had any bike coaching or run coaching. Um, Mm. So for the first few months I really took a back step having to teach myself how to cycle. I never used the backs of my legs when I was running or biking. Um, So at first I could hardly walk. Mm. (laughs) It was a huge change for me. So you're quite underdeveloped. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean my legs have completely changed um, since what they used to look like last year. Yeah. and just I've just got stronger and stronger with each race, and um, you know he's with he, he's really good at adapting to different athletes. With me, he's not scientific at all. We don't have power meters, we don't have heart rate monitors. Um, it's just done how how I like mm. how, how I like it, and it um, his programs are very different to what I was doing. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was a bit lazy beforehand. I, I maybe put a bit too much emphasis on the recovery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so now I basically don't have a, a. I used to sort of do three days in a row and then take a day off, mm. or four days, take a day off. Um, we're, we're training every day, even if it's just something really, um, you know, like a thirty-minute spin and a two-k swim. We're doing something every day. Um, he started doing functional strength. Um, and I feel like a completely different athlete. Um, I turned up here three weeks ago, and it's it's just a world away from where I was just in February when I was last year. I'm I'm biking so much better now. My running style's completely changed. Um, yeah. Can, can I ask? Because you know, I, I interviewed you post uh, Wanaka, and you were pretty emotional at the end of that race. I think you were pretty disappointed in that race, um, or maybe you can maybe explain where you were at. But you definitely were. You know, lot. You were pretty emotional. Was it hard to trust at first? Uh, well, actually, before the race, I knew I shouldn't be doing an Ironman. Um, oh, okay. I, I knew I wasn't ready ready for one. I could barely um, walk. Yeah. <laughs> walk, um, and getting through the training sessions were hard, and I knew I wasn't Up ready for that um, length. But I really wanted to do it because I was I'd won it five times, and I I love I lived down there yeah. at the time, so um, we knew it was going to be sort of a step backwards but just get through it and it wasn't going to hinder me in any way because I wasn't in the shape that I could push myself that hard and the reason I was disappointed was not because I lost because Candice was a great athlete she's a great athlete and um, she deserved to win Um, it was just that like for the first time I felt like I had no um, connection with my body Uh, Um, I couldn't control anything that was happening I I guess I suffered a lot in the cold Um, I couldn't actually feel my legs at all until I got into 10k's into the run and it, it was just um, yeah I've never had an Ironman where I, I have felt like that really yeah. um, but totally turned things around six weeks later I did Ironman New Zealand and I did you know my best best ever race time there so yeah I took I, I took it on the chin and I um, it, I worked hard how do you dig out of those holes? Uh, I think it's just resilience I mean yeah. you, you want to improve you want to do better um, I love racing because it gives me feedback it's the only way I ever get feedback is for, to where I am and what I need to work on so as soon as I've done a race I know exactly what I, what I need to do and then I, I do it mm. Has this year been a similar year for you in terms of the race 
you know, in terms of the number of races you've done and have you has Matt had input into right let's do these races this race this race um, and I guess follow on to that you know you do Metaman before Kona which is I'd imagine a pretty tough day at the office so maybe fill us in on on how you choose your races and whether it's financial decisions or whether it's Kona prep decisions. Yeah I mean Matt would love to see me race less um, but unfortunately I'm just not in that financial position where I can mm. do that so um, I race you know to make money yeah. um, but can, um, saying that we've thought very carefully about what I'm doing and, and when I did the Men Man it was a very controlled race yeah. I didn't push myself. Took no risks. I, I recovered really easily from that before we did that race we did a huge block of training so I went into the race really tired didn't rest up um, came out of it and felt really good because I hadn't had to push myself um, at all recovered really well went straight to Australia got straight back into the training um, did another really good block of training and then did the 70.3 in Sunshine Coast mm-hmm. which he didn't really want me to do but um, it was I was there in the Sunshine Coast training and again it was a matter of just not resting for the race if you, if you go into a race not rested you can't really do much damage because you're just going you're doing a half Ironman at Ironman pace yeah um so that's what I did I had a really good day and I could see that um where I am is exactly where I need to be for um what I want to achieve um at this race and um this is I've always trained myself to be sort of consistent in every race I've trained myself to be the same training program for every race yeah um Matt's completely did it differently um so the only time I've done big mileage was after Frankfurt, so July, August, September, uh, little bits of September, and I really responded really well to that. Um, it's put me in a completely different place than I have been at any of the other Ironman races I've done this year. So, could I ask? You know, like it seems like you, you know you're saying there's been this massive physical change. You know, like you know I'm now hamstrings, my legs are changing. You know, my styles changed. So there's this big physical aspect to the way your your body has shifted in the last 12 months. What does it do in the way you race the race? How does it shift your race strategy? Uh, well, I mean, I'm swimming about five seconds per 100 metres faster than really? I was last year in Kona. And I made the front pack last year in Kona, so um, I know the swim's going to be harder than it was last year. There was a big group of us, um, you know, 10, 11 of us came out together in that swim, but um, I know that I'm in a much better place than I was um that time last year yep. and on the bike I'm just completely different athlete so for me it's hard because I, I really just like to race by myself I, I don't like to be in a pace line I don't like that situation but I know that it could be that way but I'd, ideally I love races where I just race by myself all day like Men Man in Wanaka yeah. you know but so what is your expectation on Sunday, um, not Saturday, Sunday, hopefully be kicking back, relaxing, enjoying um, some R&R. What about um, and what it's like for, in that pace line? Because you were there last year, I think, until um, the climb up to Harvey. So is it? For, how do you find that? You don't like it, but is it quite surgy and quite on and off? Mm-hmm. Sit yep. down, Bevan, it's not going to plug in. <laughs> okay, I thought we'd that, don't worry. Yeah, last year it was, um, for me, it was really surgy. I was the last... I was just hanging off the back of that pace line. So every time we went over the roller, people were going on, on their downhill and I was like number 10. 
Yeah. So I was climbing and then I'd be like 30 metres off and then I'd start sprinting, get back on. Yeah. Um, got up to the climb, turned around. I didn't have the right gears on my bike and I'm small. Yeah. Um, lost them on the downhill. Um, but I was actually quite grateful because I was like, good, now I can just can do, do my own pace. Yeah. And I wasn't prepared for that kind of surging, but I am this year and I've, um, I, I have a whole lot of extra skills that I've been taught um, with Matt and Paul, who I, who's actually from Christchurch, Paul Bjork. Mm-hmm. Um, how to ride with, how to use my gears, how to ride over the rollers um, to get the most of it. Um, and I, yeah, I just got a whole lot of skills that I didn't have last year. Do, do you, you know, like you've had a really successful career. Do you, even though you've had a successful career, now that you're kind of finding this new version of yourself and it seems like you feel it's a higher level, do you think what if? Have you, have you done that earlier? Uh, no, I've, I mean, I, I've had a great experience. I, yeah. I don't, you know, I've never never really been in it for the um, for the glory or anything like that or it's just been the journey that I've been on and I've I wouldn't change anything um and I still I'm 33 I still think I've got time yeah Um, you've got time (laughs) so yeah I'm really I should have got a coach earlier um but I didn't and it's just how it is but I'm I'm really glad with what I've decisions I've made now because it's no way I'd be in this kind of shape that I'm in without Matt Dixon and his help so is your mindset different going into the race? You know, when you were on the start line last year, are you thinking, right, I'm here to win, or are you thinking I'm here to get you know, a top 10 or a top 5? And has that changed this year? Yeah, absolutely. It's one thing that um, Matt's helped me a lot with is my confidence. I never had that confidence um, ever before in Kona, and I've actually always been overcooked, to be honest, when I've been here. Mm. Um, and I've always felt... Like I, I'm just holding on to that, tr- trying to get through this race. Whereas this time I'm, I'm in the form of my life um, right now, so um, I feel a lot more confident. And, and you're right; it always has been. Oh, let's just try and make this top ten. And I have I've t- three times yeah, in the top ten, yeah. but this time it's different. I, I'm I'm going for more than that. Wow! How does it feel like within yourself? You know, like is, it, is that a cool feeling? Yeah, it is because when I started working with Matt. Um, he was always like, you're capable of this, you're capable of this. You're, um, and I was like, what? You know, what are you talking about? Um, and I never believed him. And it's just been really slow progress. Like, every, I just keep plodding away. And uh, when I was in Frankfurt, I saw a small glimpse of that. For um, We hadn't done much run mileage. Um, so my, my sort of longest run was an hour and a half. Um, but for that first hour and a half, I came off the bike about 10th and I ran... And I was just running. I um, passed. I got myself into second, but I, it was like I was floating. It was my my husband looked across the river and I was like, "Who is that?" Like, because uh, that was the first time I held the run form that we'd been working on together. Yeah. And I just felt like unbeatable on that day. But um, it was a four lap course. I didn't. Um, it got really crowded. It was 35 degrees. Instead of maybe stopping and getting some aid, yep. some drinks, I just ran through if I missed it um, that came back to bite me in the end but yeah. you know but it gave you a sign of, of it gave me a, a glimpse of yeah. what Matt had been talking about with me um, and just after that when we started working on the run mileage my runs just jumped up a little bit more and I, I think that I can hold that sort of pace for longer than what I did in Frankfurt um, You're in a bit of a unique position we know that a number of the, the guys you know they've got families and stuff um, <laughs> And they've got to work around that, you know, lifestyle. It's different for the females. It's not actually. I don't know 
maybe you can answer this if there's any other sort of top 10 females that have got kids. Um, how do you, how do you work, work that in? Um, well, I'm, I'm really lucky that we, I mean, we decided to come back into the sport with the help of my husband. It was, he, he works with me, we're a team, um, so he's given up his, his job to, to help me do this or else I wouldn't be here at all. Um, but it's only been the, sort of the last two months where I have stepped away from being maybe the, the biggest carer um, of the family um, and just really focused this last couple of months on doing the best job as an athlete that I can, can do. But certainly when I first came back into it after the, um, having my son, I wasn't very serious. It was just I loved the sport and yeah. just wanted to get out there, but I wasn't doing the training that I used to do. Um, I had some really good results, but it was kind of a surprise. Um, yeah, I'm just, I feel like I've just sort of stepped up the last two months. He's now three, so he's much more independent and he's happy. Mm-hmm. Can, can I ask, you know, like, is it, it's an interesting life where you're spending all your time with the one person all the time, if you know what I mean, because you guys travel a lot together and, you know, there's these big chunks where you're moving and kind of the stress of those types of things. What's the key to making it work in a relationship? Um, oh, I mean, it is hard. We live on top of each other and we have our yeah. arguments and things like that. But um, I don't know, it has been s- stressful. But um, as I, you know, I'm the main provider and yeah. it, it's financially very stressful. Um, mm. But I guess I, I don't, not many people would get this opportunity in life to be able to do something that they really love and they're really good at and to have a husband that supports you to do that. Mm. Um, and I, I don't have it's not going to be forever you know how many years I can do this for so we'll just make the most of it when we the time that we do have so if people were keen to, to follow you you know um, you, I think you're a bit of a Twitterer <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. What, what's your Twitter handle um, it's Gina underscore Crawford yeah cool and I saw you last night at the uh, the CEPO team launch. The CEPOs are going to be out there smoking it on Your Sunday. Your one is, eh? Your one. My one. On Sunday. Be... Should probably do it on Saturday. Yeah. Should do that. Yeah. So. Got to get that race day right. <laughs> yeah. But where is everybody? Yeah. That's like my worst nightmare is I get the day wrong. Oh, imagine that. Um, and who else are you working with at the moment and, and anything else you're looking to promote? Um, yeah, CEPO's my, my longest and you know, maybe my best sponsor and I'm lucky to have the, um, them and they're just the best supporter of me. Um, I've got Power Bar. I've been with them for a few years now and I've, I used to struggle with nutrition problems. I haven't since I've been with them. Um, Rolf Prima, my wheel sponsor. Yep. Um, I've got, I've just started a relationship with Sowers um, middle of this year, um, mm. which, which is a women's specific triathlon clothing company. Yep. Um, I'm really enjoying working with them. They've just been the greatest like making my my um my race kits to exactly what i want and that is mm. the best um mm. asics new zealand for my shoes um just started working with cob saddles shram racing who just um helped me out with my bike this yeah. week uh Kiwin, new hey, zealand nice. pedals yeah nice can I, can I ask, do you get much local support? Like, you know, like, on, you've got businesses who back you in New Zealand. Or, you know, do you get much of that stuff in New Zealand? No, that's one thing that we have been trying to get as a New Zealand um, sponsor. What kind of sponsor? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel I need to win New Ze- Ironman New Zealand, and I just can't do that so far. So, yeah. yeah. 
Have you not won? I thought you won it once. Oh, I have once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Got to do, do the eleven times before you get any respect <laughs> in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't ruin it for everyone. Um, and so, what do you do? So today is Tuesday. What's your sort of layout for the rest of the week in terms of your taper plan? Uh, to, tomorrow I've got a bit of a bike. It's not two, two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, tiny runoff, like 10-minute run. Yeah. Um, a few commitments, sponsor commitments on Wednesday. And then Thursday I just do a little jog and then we've got the, the pro briefing. Yeah. Um, Friday I just do a little bike ride and a swim mm-hmm. and race day on Saturday. Can I, can I ask, outside of race day, what's, what do you enjoy most about Kona Week? Outside of race day? Yeah. Um... Maybe this Team New Zealand thing. It's, it's great um, meeting the, the rest of the New Zealanders here. I mean, I've been travelling for quite a while and it's good to meet up with some fellow Kiwis mm. and just talk to people and, uh, yeah. Talk about Fort Worth's flat. For our flats. <laughs> Mighty All Blacks. We're looking for a, a dual Kiwi victory at the weekend. Bevan, Bevan or Terenzo take out the boys and... Gina. All the Gina. way. Is, uh, is there any other... Is Mel Burke, is there any other Kiwi girls racing? No, just Mel, yeah. Yeah, there you go. One, two in the girls, one, two in the boys. Job yep. done. Yep. <laughs> Lock it in, Eddie. Lock it in, Eddie. Well, that's Australian. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Gina, and uh, we look forward to seeing you out there cranking it on the Queen K. Cool. It's been good being here, and um, you guys brought me luck last time that I talked to you. It was um, way back in 2000 and. Eight. Was yeah. that at my old house? You. Was that was yeah. it? It was yeah. in the bedroom. I talked to you, and then I went on to win Ironman Western Australia. Well, there's, so. a, there's a sign. Right. Yep, it's happened. We're claiming yeah. it. We're claiming it. We're claiming it. It was in my smelly bedroom. Remember, we had one mic. Oh, you poor thing. I feel yeah. sorry for you. Yeah. You know, you're emotionally scarred from it. Let's get rid of the pain. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Jenna. Thank you. Good, mate. Okay, so we've got Craig Gruber from Sydney, Australia. Here you go, mate. Good, mate. How are you going? So you're racing this weekend? Yeah, I'm racing with Sean McNeil. We're doing the... Um, we're, we're here and we got an invite. We weren't able to tell you on the show when we spoke last, but, yeah, Sean and I are racing this weekend. So how's, how's all the prep gone? Oh, it's been going great, mate. Fantastic. Our bike is going really well. Um, I suppose that's the one we're most worried about because of the um, because of the time we're going to be out there. And yesterday the winds were blowing quite hard. So, yeah, they did. So hopefully they calm down for Saturday. You know, you're obviously a pretty fit man yourself, and I know this is a, big, a bigger journey and all the rest of it, but physically... What's the challenge for you in this? Because it obviously is a lot harder than doing an Ironman by yourself. Um, physically, um, you know, it, it takes a lot out of me, but what, it, what I get out of it is much more than, than what it takes out of me. So the, I was talking yesterday about it, and when it's complete, it's a deep satisfaction, and, and it's a reward for Susie, my wife, and, and uh, Russ, and and Luke who trains with us and he's competing this weekend as well. So it's a reward for for the whole the whole group to get these things done and, and really um, enjoy the whole day. So that's what we get out of it. Whoops. So <laughs> it's, it's all very exciting here right now. Hey so um so so in regards to the fundraising how that's going? Yeah we've had um great support from from the triathlon community and just the whole um people in general mate i was in a on a surfing trip in sumatra that's where i did my 
last two weeks of training I had to, well I didn't have to, I took my son on a two week surf trip to Sumatra, it was pre-booked before we came over here and even in Sumatra um, there were surfers, Aussie surfers talking about this crazy guy running around um, running around the town with my uh, tri gear on and and when they heard what I was doing, they all they all got behind me and they they gave me uh, some money for Shani. So it was quite incredible, mate. Yeah, it really has been one of those. You know, as much as there's there's obviously a tragic side to the story, it's, it's, it's it really has been an example of what's great about triathlon, hasn't it? Uh, that's exactly right, mate. And and with Shan and her attitude. Um, and the way she takes things on, it's she's so positive. So, mate, it's it's just a a credit to her and a credit to the way she she's owned this disease and um, and the way she's spreading the word and getting it out there to the whole world. On the back end of the bucket, uh, the ice bucket challenge. Um, you know, this has got some really great um, uh, coverage. She's been able to make a lot of noise, what she says, and and hopefully raise awareness. And with awareness, people put governments and um, the people that matter put money into this and find a, a cure for this disease. What's the day like for her? Sorry, What's mate. The rest day like for her? Race day for her. She's really nervous on the on the uh, kayak. It's 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 an hour, or sorry, an hour and fifteen of of sort of wanting to get out of the water. She's if you could imagine tying your feet and your hands together and then someone towing you around in a kayak, and if you fall out, you're just going to be bobbing around in the Pacific Ocean. So she's the the day is getting out of the kayak. We're on the bike where she can contribute the most to the day, where she can she's able to pedal and able to um, really get out there and enjoy enjoy that part of the day. And then the run is time for us. Once we're on our feet, we're going to finish this. We know that we'll finish it. So the run is all about just having a a celebration, a party. And if it takes us six hours, that party, it takes six hours. We don't. As long as we're in by midnight, mate. That's that's it. Hey, so if people want to support the course, they go to uh, shiningforshine.com and um, yeah, get behind it. There's a donate page or just words of encouragement. And uh, Shani will be out there and she'll be doing it, doing it for ALS, doing it for people who have um, got behind her and and doing it for herself. You know what a great thing to do for you. Well, also good on you for you know for what you're giving to this as well because it's pretty amazing, mate. Thanks, mate. Sponsor John. Endurance, sport, travel. And we've got to say one thing. Bevan's going to pop in tomorrow to the breakfast they do here in Kona every week. You know what so I love about their breakfast? It's often unlimited bacon. <laughs> yeah, pineapple. <laughs> Phil and yeah. will be happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, A, if you come to Kona with these guys, um, you get looked after incredibly well with a buffet breakfast every morning. But it's just a great chance to then actually socialise a little bit. Yeah, because, you know, cool, you get it? a bit... For guys that come over here by themselves, if you're from, you know, like from, we're from Christchurch, we know quite a few people, but there's only 
four people from Christchurch, five I think, from over over here. And if you're new to the sport and you just happen to be a freak and you qualify uh, on your first time, you might not know anybody going on a, in a group setting like with endurance sports travel, then you've got an automatic social group where you can get some information about the course. Um, Have you shared experiences? You've yeah. probably got a support crew because you meet other people at the breakfast and then on yeah. race day their families will support you. So if travelling solo, we talk a lot about the families, they do some great stuff, but also if you're travelling solo, I assume they have some options where you may be able to share as well and get their prices cost down a bit. So, um, yeah, awesome social opportunities. There we go. So endurancesportstravel.com. We'll have a link to that on our website. But uh, if you are thinking about travelling around the world, check, check, check them out. Okay, interview number two at uh, Place is Dirk Bockel. Unfortunately, not racing this year. Dirk, fill us in on what's going on. Well, I got a small little injury uh, which happened in Melbourne, Ironman Melbourne, and I never really recovered. <clears throat> so I tried to race in Roth in the middle of the year, and I already had troubles to prepare. Could only run a couple of times a week, you know, so it was not very good. And afterwards, when I wanted to start my preparation for Hawaii, I realized the injury is still there. And at some point, we had to make that uh, pretty tough call of not racing. Yeah. How was that? Because you nailed Melbourne. You know, like your Melbourne race was pretty awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. So, you know, to come off Melbourne, with a, you know, obviously mm. injuries here, but it would have been a pretty mm. confident booster for you thinking about this race. Absolutely. I mean, the season started on an absolute high. And, uh, well, Roth would have been very similar, I guess, if I could have just performed normally. But, uh, you know, with 30-minute jogs, you know, over two months, you cannot expect to have a great run. And at some, at some point, the body just broke down, and uh, well, now we're still working on getting healthy and no plans for the rest of the year, but I, I was scheduled to race in Bahrain, and hopefully I bounce back quick, but uh, right now we're still in the, in the phase of fixing that thing. So, so the injury's still a little bit there right now? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I can run 10 minutes, I can do an hour bike ride, but that's not going to bring me to a world-class level in Ironman racing. Mm-hmm. So, um, What um, changed your mind about getting back on the Ironman path to points because last time we spoke to you I can't remember if it was after Ironman last year or you did a post and you are going I really don't know if I want to go down this path of having to get points because I don't think you finished here um, and you're sort of toing and froing so what, what changed your mind? Well here's the thing nothing really changed my mind I mean uh, Kona is still one of the most important races I mean uh, if I compare it now with uh, Challenge Roth I mean, the spectator is way bigger, the press in Europe is way bigger for us, but still, as, as of today, Kona is the biggest race. It's the World Championships, and the only problem is it's still that same situation. It's a, it's a win-lose situation for WTC versus all the pro athletes. We still haven't been able to get a union, we still haven't been able to get pre- represented and make changes. So they make changes and we just go with the punches. And so it's, it's very one-sided, and I think there, there's still work to be done. Um, and it's also a team policy that uh, Hawaii should be the number one goal. So, of course, I tried my best possible and had the best scenario. I mean, I, mm. I was the only guy racing one race and qualifying for Hawaii. Yeah. You know, and if you see the people race three, four, or even five races to make it. So, I was, I don't want to say lucky because it was a lot of work and it was definitely not luck. It was just pure hardcore work. And now I'm in, facing the same situation for next year. That means I have to go back to the drawing board. Where am I going to qualify? And is Hawaii the final goal? Or do we have other plans? And But right now it's all about getting that injury fixed and then do the second step. You know, like for the top guys like yourself, who really mm. can come to this race and win it, 
you know, it's so much of a confidence game and believing right. in yourself and all the rest of it. And, and you've got that, but how do you deal with the emotion of the disappointment of getting through, the, you know, times like these? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm over it at the moment. I mean, uh, the decision was made two months ago. And so it was a shock back then. I've, I've never had to cancel a race because of injury. So now being here, being a little chubby, you know, you know yeah. what that means There's for standards, us. You know, it's yeah. not yeah. much. Where's the 100 kg come on from? <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's hard for yeah. me to be here. Like I, it's like a metal, two sides to it. You know, I'm, I'm laughing inside, but I'm also crying inside. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not supposed to be a spectator here. You know, I'm, I'm made for racing and uh, it's hard, but it also, I get some pleasure and some joy out of it being here supporting my team and watching the scenery soak up the atmosphere so I never get to do that and I'm actually not stressed out during an interview you know yeah. if you say we're gonna go for three hours hey I, I have time you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but of course my heart is racing and I'm still a racer I still have a bunch of years left in me and that's why I want to get back to it as soon as possible and Kona will be probably a goal for next year as well so um we, we were talking to Marino the other day and he was really explaining, look, for this sport to advance forward, we need to get some sponsors, outside industry sponsors. Absolutely. I know you guys have got BMC, but you've got Uplace. How do you guys bring value to those guys when, uh, I don't actually not 100% sure what they do, and how do you guys bring value to them? Well, Uplace is, uh, is a huge company in Belgium. Uh, they own a soccer team. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, they, they're building the European biggest mall at the moment. So it's, it's a huge company and he's very passionate about our sport as well as soccer. So he, he's fueling his passion by, by supporting us. And we, of course, we do our marketing uh, for, for the team, uh, for Uplace as well as for BMC. We have a bunch of sponsors. And I mean, it's the most prestigious uh, triathlon team that ever existed. I mean, if you think back to the times of Tri, tri Dubai, yeah. there were just five guys and I mean, there was no team as such. Yeah. They had the same clothes, but they never trained together. We have training camps together. We are friends. You know, we do. Uh, apart from the official training camps, we actually do races together. We stay together. You know, there's, there's a close friendship now over over the last couple of months, and we all know each other for many years. Like, for instance, Axel Seabrook and myself. I mean, we know each other from from short course racing. You know, mm. remember the Olympics when we attacked mm. together? And I mean, it's 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 really cool. It gives us a a bigger platform to, to dance, I would say. And also for the sponsors, I mean, instead of sponsoring just individual athletes, you have a whole team. So I think a lot of companies will follow that that thought of having teams. I mean, if you look at the Commerzbank team, if you look at uh, different movements right now, so I, I think we will see more teams in the future. Looking at this weekend's race, the men's race is pretty interesting this year. What are your thoughts on the race? Yeah, I've seen a couple of pictures. Uh, you, you just talked about Marino. I mean, he looked like a million bucks. I saw a picture and he's man he's fit well he looks fit so i believe he had to raise a whole lot to get here so i actually cross him out of the top three okay and so we all have the same struggles to go through i mean he had a special struggle coming back from injury zero points racing a lot and we have guys like frodeno you know i mean he he smashed it in the, in the last couple of races and he's a new guy well, if, you have, if he has cramps in Frankfurt with no heat, mm. how is it going to be Kona? You know, so, so there's a lot of question marks about people, and it's the same old. There's not one guy you pick out. I yeah. actually think it's, it's fairly open. And our team, I mean, with, with Axel, with Bart, I mean, Romain, they're, they're all fit. Ronnie is, is back to his best, and I hope we can make... I think everybody should be able to be in the top 10, and I think Bart maybe has the best chance of getting as close as possible to a podium. I have him uh, very, very close to the podium in my in my thought at the moment, but 
you know, you have 15 guys that can be in the podium. You know, there may be five guys that can win, but um, never underestimate anyone. It's Hawaii, different rules out there. Depends on the day, if it's cloudy, there are different people, temperature's low. If it's windy, you have different people. So it's hard to name names, you know. If, if you were racing this, and <clears throat> let's say you get to uh, the end of the Queen K, how would you be approaching it there? Would you be trying to be a part of the fireworks going up to the Queen K, or would you be sort of uh, tending to hold back a little bit and back your run? How would, if it was a scenario like last year, how would you sort of uh, play your cards? Well, last year, last year was a different scenario. I mean, I was I was off the bike in fifth. I was running sometimes in fourth, and at some point, you know, I was one of the 25 guys that threw up because of some funny drinks we got served. But uh, if if I would be in the same position. Um, I think I didn't do a very smart bike race last year. I would change it a little bit. I was too far back when it actually started with the fireworks going up the hill. I was too far back and by the time I got there, I had to get so much energy invested to, to make it. So I think I lost a little bit of energy there, but um, unfortunately we never know how could it turned out without sitting on the side road throwing up. But uh, I had two crappy Konas now. You know, One time I broke my hand, the other yeah. time I ride back in the ambulance. So I don't... This this year was clear. I mean, we got to be 100% or we're not going. I mean, being 85% in Kona, nobody's going to happy. I mean, I had a bunch of top 10s. That's good. We want more. You know, I want more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I'm looking forward to you cheering me on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of your team. Give me, give me your approximate finish time so I don't stand there for hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be sub nine. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's Holy the plan crap. anyway. Man, then it's nice to have good fit. plans. Very good, very good. Impressive. Hey, um, enjoy the day. Good luck to get you back into racing. We'll hope Thank you're you very much. next year and, and really be looking for that win there. I know I you desire so. so hard. If people want to follow you, what's the best way to do that? The best way is following me on Twitter and Facebook. I just promoted my book and my new training camp in Tuscany. So I'm doing a very interesting thing that doesn't exist a training camp, but an extremely high end. Also for the non-triathletes, for the partners, a Michelin star chef. Oh, we have masseuse, we have meditation classes, oh. we have all kinds of stuff, cooking classes on top of it. I oh. mean, apart from all the training, the bike fitting, the mechanics yeah. and all that stuff. So it's going to be absolutely high-end Tuscany. So check out liveandlettry.com. Thank Scott, you, guys. Scott Molina, are you listening? Uh, I think that sounds like your kind of gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Live and Let Try. We'll put a link to that on our website. Awesome. Thank, Thank you very much. Brilliant. We interviewed him the other day, and he is actually wearing the oranges and new black right now. Guy Crawford uh, on the Coffees of Hawaii boat. How you going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. I was a little late this morning, but... Apparently, apparently you, may, you may have had a big night last night. Big night. Medium night. Medium? No, it was pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Because the Blue 70 party was last night, wasn't it? It was. It was an industry party from 5 till 7 that went till 10.30. So was it schmoozing, or was it, was it schmoozing and then gets to party point? Yeah, pretty much schmoozing, a little bit of world bicycle relief, oh, and... Then a little bit of partying. Nice. Everyone likes to finish a keg. You, you, you can make every year pretty much, don't you? Yep, I've been here since 2005. I'm like an old hack. You, you really are, there's no denying it. <laughs> hey, um, does anything really change, or for you, the experience is pretty much the same every year? You know, the experience is similar, but there are changes I notice year to year, like the population increase. Yeah. This year, especially, more so than any other year. I think there's a lot more just foot traffic coming through. So, and at the boat out on the Coffees of Hawaii boat, it's uh, it's gotten a lot busier out there. More people are recognizing that it's there, and yeah, just the general population growth. What do you do on race day? I every single year I've come down and I've sat on that brick wall for four hours. You know. That makes you realise how much you need to pee. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I can't move. 
until the last swimmer gets out of the water and you have to secure your spot. And you jump in the water and pee, is it? Uh, I can't off that brick wall. I want to leave in there quite often. But yeah, no, you just you just close your eyes. Who are you picking for the men's and female race? You know, I've been asked this question a few times. I think the, the men's race is really, really hard. I think you've got 15 guys that can win it now. It's, it's really exciting. I hope, I'm hoping it's a hard day. But to answer your question, I can't answer your question. Yeah, no, I'm with you on there, mate. What about chicks? Any, any chance on the chicks? Uh, reef and... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's another hard question. Which is good, but isn't it? You know, like and, you know, up until this point in time, it was always kind of going to be five guys. But whereas now, you know, the, the field's getting stronger, which is good for our sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's super deep. Um, all the young guys, that, oh, all the ITU guys, sorry, coming across. It makes it for exciting races. It's good to have Olympians here, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck. Blue 70. Thanks. Rock and roll. Good luck. Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Bevan. It's all big time now. I'll tell you what, German TV's even here. I know. We had an email. It's serious. We had, well, I had a Facebook, actually, an email, a Facebook message from Philip Sassy, and he said, got to get this guy, Elmar Sprink, on, and I've probably pronounced that incorrectly. We'll find out in a moment. And I'm thinking, who the hell is this dude? Yep. And read his story. It was pretty fascinated, so we've got him along here. So first up, let's make sure we get the pronunciation of the, the name right. Uh, can you give it to us so we get it right? Uh, yeah, my, my name is Elmar Sprink. Uh, in Germany, it's Elmar Sprink. Sprink. <laughs> yeah. Right, we've got Sprink. that. Um, it's, this is going to be an interesting story, so we'll see, we'll see where it leads. Um, I'm told you you were born on December 26, 1971. This and is your life. This is your life. And you've, you've, before we get to the interesting part of your story, maybe tell us a bit about what life was like, you were into triathlon, you did some racing in the Bundesliga, I understand, and it just sounded like you were right into your sports. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I started with a triathlon in uh, 2004, uh, before I had no really sports career, I was like, actually like everyone in Germany, I was playing soccer very long, and then in the, I got to my 30s, and then the uh, doctor said, maybe I get some back problems, I should go swimming. I, I hated swimming, so but I started swimming and I bought a bicycle. And then I started, because I was always, I liked, loved running, even f- for a soccer player, running is not that, because people normally hate running, I loved running. I, d- I did some runs and then in the end I ran a marathon and in 2004 I made my first triathlon. And in 2005, yeah, I started the first time at Ironman Frankfurt. And then, yeah, I did a lot of Ironman, like in 2006 and Nice and Florida. I did uh, Canada and Challenge Barcelona. So I did a couple of, of uh, triathlons and my, yeah, I always wanted to, I tried to qualify after like do, doing it like four or five times. And my, my first best was 10 hours 14. And one time I missed it by 11 minutes, but 11 yeah. minutes is 11 minutes. So I never made it. Uh, until now, so now I'm here. So. And so then there was there was there was a significant moment where your life changed, and, and instead of us revealing it, can you tell us what happened? It kind of dramatically yeah, changed w- your life. It was in a, in 2010. It was on the 10th of July. I was a it was a one day after the World Championship soccer final. I was on my sofa. I was uh, watching. I think it was Tumale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And I was. Uh, I had my laptop on. My, on my sofa, I was uh, because I was uh, working in as a sales manager. I was sending some emails and watching the last step of the, the Tour de France stage, and 
Then uh, there was the last, actually, what I, what I noticed, and uh, two, uh, exactly two hours later, I, was, uh, I woke up in the hospital with uh, some cable in my nose, and I asked my, my wife what happened, and she said, uh, said uh, that I had uh, some problems, just like blood pressure or something. But I looked around, and I saw a lot of doctors in there, and I saw that I'm uh, in, in intensive care, so really high uh, technical yeah. room. And then uh, they said that my, my heart stopped suddenly. And my wife uh, was there. Normally she wanted to have a coffee with a friend, but it was hot outside, like here, and she decided to come back. And my neighbor is a doctor, and he had a knee surgery uh, three weeks ago. So he was there for three days. Uh, and then he put me back to life. Wow. So that was... Uh, Yeah, that was that, that started the, uh, yeah, the, the career as a patient. So, so you're obviously pretty lucky that the neighbor was there. Can you tell me, waking up in that moment, what was it like? So I, a lot of people asked me if I saw, I saw nothing. So no, no uh, God or no white light or something. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, saw the, the watch and it was, it was uh, 10 minutes to eight. And before it was 10 minutes to six, and I said, uh, yeah, what happened? And then they asked me what my birthday is. So I was wondering why, why they're asking me that. And yeah, then in the, in the next uh, two or three days, a lot of they did a lot of stuff uh, with me, a lot of tests and everything. So I was really scared that uh, I couldn't do sport anymore. And uh, But uh, a lot of stuff came after the first three, four days. So I thought maybe it happened something. Uh, some people have like uh, not enough kalium or magnesium or something and I, I thought that's like what happened to me because uh, eight weeks for every Ironman I went to the doctor I had the echo so I had a stress yeah. test and everything blood test and eight weeks before Ironman Austria I went to the doctor and at the Ironman Klagenfurt it was one week before the cardiac arrest I had problems breathing so I went again to the doctor and they said that I have maybe kind of allergy or something. Mm. So I did Ironman Austria and I just thought I had a bad day. I had a bad swim. Uh, I wanted to drive around five hours. I did 5.30 or something. And mm. then during the marathon, I decided to stop. It was mm. the first time I quit. So I went off. I had blue lips. That's mm. my wife said. And then on Tuesday, I went to the doctor again and, and they said uh, that's a kind of sport Asthma, mm. kind of, yeah. So I did everything. Everyone uh, uh, told me that I'm okay, that the heart is okay. They checked it, so uh, I did the sport again. And but uh, yeah, that was then. In, in hindsight, though, that was the the first signs that something was was not right. Yeah, yeah. For me, now I would say that something was wrong already. Mm. So, but I had no infection. Uh, I did not train with a cold or something. I, I had no nothing, so no stomach problems. Um, they, in the end, they said uh, they, they, they didn't figure out what happened. So they maybe at first they said it is a virus, so myocarditis. That's mm -hmm. the name in, in, Germ in Germany. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they said it's not. It looked not like myocarditis. And then I had to go through to a lot of. I saw a lot of doctors in Berlin and all over. They took biopsies out of the old hearts. They, they didn't find anything. Then they made a test. It's not for my family sign, mm -hmm. so they just said in the end uh, they didn't find out. So, like. so, so what happened after this? You know, you, you've uh, you're lying in bed, 
you've had all the tests done, maybe start to fill us in on the rest of the story on, on what happened after yeah, that. Um, I, after four weeks, um, after it happened, I, I, I could move uh, to, to, to back to my home. And then I made a lot of tests in Berlin and all over. Then they installed, a, I don't know, it's not a pacemaker, it's a DeFi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They installed it inside because I said that I'm not so happy uh, again that my neighbor is there, and mm -hmm. so they said okay, and they said uh, okay, you you are okay, you can go back to work. You are young, so I was a sales manager for three countries: for Austria, Switzerland, and Germany. So I flew sometimes, and I started cycling a little bit, but I recognized it's not like before. So mm. something is wrong. And uh, it, that was uh, in, still in 2010. And in January, I got a kind of um, problem again. So I had an AV block. That's uh, every uh, third heartbeat is only um, yeah. the electrical uh, system on the heart was uh, completely out of order. So I had only heart rate around 20. And <laughs> uh, I went to, yeah, I, I measured it. I went to the restroom and I, I noticed something is wrong at the, Davy would have just done something about 200 or something. Mm. So not, uh, it was not blocked. Uh, yeah, for the low end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, again, we rang at my neighbor. He's, no, he's, no, he's not something, a doctor for a heart. He's doing like uh, cancer stuff. Mm. Uh, he said, uh, uh, we have to call the ambulance again. <laughs> they, they put me back in hospital. Did not know. And then it started like uh, every every month in 2011, I was in hospital. First, I, they thought that my immune system is against my heart. Sometimes we have then I did like a, they washed my blood like over two or three days. Mm -hmm. uh, normally, 75% feel better after then. I, I didn't do that. And in the end of 2011, so I stayed every every almost every month. But I had too much water in my body. So the, the pump function of my heart was... First, it was below 15, then below 40, so it dropped down. And uh, in, in April of that year, I first, the first time they, they, they told me, maybe you should go to, to a center who's transplanting mm. hearts. Uh, that was a big shock. I never thought, I, I always thought, uh, I, I was healthy, I was doing sport, everything. Uh, I, was, I was really shocked. So, and then, uh, but uh, I went to the, the, the center in August, and they said, okay, you can walk in. I was able like to... I, I have season tickets for, for a soccer club in Cologne and I just could move one, one half of the field. That oh, was wow. it. So I was really not in, in good shape. So my, my, my wife drove me there that I, I got fresh air every two weeks at the home games. And they said, you are, you are much in, too in good shape to get a new heart. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah. So go home, you have the DFI, so we, we can't do anything. Wow. Uh, and then in October, my gallbladder was getting crazy so the other organs were really in bad shape so the gallbladder they took the gallbladder out in december and in the during that surgery i really had problems my neighbor did that again <laughs> a good neighbor really good neighbor yeah. and uh, yeah and, and it was my first uh, 40th birthday and on the, on the 26 on the 27 i asked my parents to bring me to the transplant center and i moved in i was um Then they tried to put me on the high urgent list. So high urgent is you only have to live like a few months and yeah. then it's over. So I got listed and normally they, they tried to, to, uh, to get the problem solved with medication. Mm. 
mm -hmm. to yep. stabilize the, the heart. But in mid of February, they said I have only two days to live. Wow. So I was really dizzy. I, I mm -hmm. couldn't think anymore. I just said to my wife and to my parents, I'm really, really tired. So uh, the doctor said, uh, I said, I want no, no machine inside. So I destroyed that paper. Uh, I, I, I can't remember that. that my, my parents mm -hmm. and the doctor said, they, they are not going to leave someone, don't let the, him die. So mm. if you make the decision, then we can do the, the surgery. And, and they put a VID, it's a little uh, ceramic uh, pump inside, yeah. so they opened me completely. And uh, ECMO, that's a heart-lung machine. Normally it's uh, only for two weeks. And I stayed with that machine because normally they, they reduce the machine and then you can live with the pump. You have a little cable and uh, Aku looks like a camera bank and then you yeah. can move around like... It's bridge to transplant that is called. You, you can live two, two, two years right. uh, with it. And then you have to come back because then you have problems with the drive line and stuff. And um, yeah, they, they tried to reduce the, uh, the ECMO, the heart-lung machine, and it not, was not working. So they said you have to stay. So I stayed altogether 100, almost 190 days in bed. I couldn't do anything. So I had to go no toilet. Uh, yeah. I had to go to a pen or whatever it is called. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't do anything. I just... My handy, some Facebook, WhatsApp, uh, yeah, that was it. So, and then I waited and waited, and it was a, a Friday, and my wife was there on the weekend. She came, my my parents came, and a lot of friends. It was close to where I'm raised up. There was a clinic, and uh, it was a uh, again. It was Euro European Championship of soccer, yeah. <laughs> and the first game was over, and I had uh, ordered a pizza. Uh, and I had a beer, alcoholic, uh, free beer. Yeah, yeah. And then there came the, this guy who was uh, taking care of me during the night, and he said, "Hey, you, there's a heart for you." Oh wow! And we started. Uh, what was that yeah. moment like? Was it pretty amazing? Yeah, I couldn't because I waited so long, and, and every morning they said, they they they, they did like this. The some said they did like this. Oh, we, we wish you good luck. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So I was okay, and then yeah, it was my, my we we watched each other, and my wife was typing and phoning people so uh yeah and then it was it actually was like kind of funny because i was awake the whole time and with the pump only that my back was really hurting <laughs> because i of the of lying still in bed it was just as i i tried to uh, to be happy mm. <laughs> because I, I i always said to myself that I, if i'm dying and i die happy and not with uh because the people which, which take care of you, they're taking care 24 hours. So every four hours came someone who took blood off, out of my body and everything. And they really did a really great job. So I said, okay, I can, because I, I shaved my legs in the triathlon, I said, because you, you got shaved completely, like mm. the guys here, all the guys looking yeah. here, yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah. So I've never seen that, that before. Like a heart transplant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it like before at other races. And I asked him if I can do it myself. So I shaved uh, yeah, some uh, until the... Below the knee, I couldn't, uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it, and he did it. And then, and at uh, f yeah, four o'clock was the last time I saw my wife, and I uh, put me with the bed. And then it's it, it's a little bit. I was uh, telling my friends, it's like uh, if they put someone to death in the US, uh, they put it on a, like a, yeah. they they fix you like, like because oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's not very nice. So that was uh, the the last uh, thing I I recognized, and then I. Woke up because after the pump surgery, it was nine and a half hours. I was three weeks really in, in bad shape. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, take a glass of water, nothing. So my, my parents and my wife thought, okay, after that surgery, he's in completely the same shape. <laughs> but um, I was, uh, after 24 hours still sleeping, 
I was, uh, I got so much cortisone. I was in bed telephoning and eating and my parents looked and, and I said, come in. And I was completely, everything was warm again. My ears, my wow. everything. And then uh, the first moment was, it was really a great moment to see the, my bed without me inside. Oh, wow. So I, I, it was like there came a lady who was taking care of me doing some uh, sport. Yep. <laughs> I tried to sit and I said, oh, I can sit. And she said, you cannot sit alone. So she went back on my back. She, she, she left my back and I was like, like a baby. If you sit a baby mm. on the, on the, on the mm. floor, mm. so it's, it's not going to sit. And uh, yeah, it was uh, the, the next week where really I was like a person who was always using my watch. So the f 400 meters took me 31 minutes. Right. It was really long. With uh, this, you know this. Uh, with yeah, a really frame. old. Uh, yeah. I don't know what is this. Like uh, a Zimmer frame. Yeah. 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 I was using this, and no one. Uh, they asked if they could touch me. I said no. Don't touch me. I will do that alone. And after I could uh, go two stages in the in the clinic to so the stairs, yeah. then they left me at home. So it was crazy. I had a I had a kind of bacteria from a from a, the neighbor room. So I was not allowed to go outside. And after. Uh, 10 days, I asked for uh, ergometer. So I was on the ergometer, and it was funny, they did uh, annual threshold test with the old heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, only uh, they, they, do, they did the lactate acid only in lying. I had like six or seven. It's like yeah. crazy. Your body is, even lying, is, it's too much for the body wow. with my old heart. So I had anaerobic treasure of 40. Wow. Anaerobic treasure. Yeah. And, and I, the, the first time on the ergometer, I directly did 45 and I cycled and I said oh great I can do 45 much yeah. more than yeah and I and I did it a lot of times I went out of bed I was not allowed so I was watching Tour de France again and they <laughs> came in I was like one hour on my ergometer yeah. and I said I wanted to get fit again and yeah. back home because I was not allowed to carry something over five kilo so my my bike was more than five kilo yeah, <laughs> yeah. and my my wife from the base she, she brought it to me from the basement and the first time I cycled was like 12 kilometers average I was really fighting there was an old lady like 80 <laughs> years old with uh, some, racing something it. from the supermarket I was like go, looking to the left and I said you are not overtaking me <laughs> I was like it was like kind of, yeah. and then in a, after four months my, my parents invited us for everyone it was really stressy time my sister I have a sister and my parents and my, my, my wife. We went to Stubaital and I went up to the glacier. I went snowboarding. It was crazy. It was the best snowboarding. And then in that vacation, I started the first run. And it was even funny because I always, well, I, if I do training, I run like five minutes per kilometer and yeah. the body did it automatically, but only 700 meters. I was completely done. Right. And then I started running and by the time I, I could run like, five kilometers i applied for a 10k run and on eastern mm -hmm. it's a big run in my my hometown mm -hmm. and it was always a test for the season and i did it with a lot of friends and i, I tried to do it below one hour it was really uh, heavy exhausting for me but yeah that was the time i started and then on the 9th of june my first triathlon was in gütersloh it's close to where, where i'm raised up it was a sprint distance and i did exactly the same triathlon one year on my first birthday and they baked me a, a cake like a heart with a candle mm. on it, it was mm. really nice so uh, uh, um when did the idea for iron man come about i mean you're you're at a stage where you know you can run where you got up to 5k uh how long did, did it take before you thought right i think i can do another iron man and what was the motivation to do it uh, first it was because 
I made a, I made this little paper uh, where I put things on I wanted to do, and then I googled. So I, first I googled someone who did a marathon maybe, and then I found a guy in Canada who did, who did an Ironman. So one 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 guy in the world did an Ironman. <laughs> I said okay. And I asked the doctors, can I do Ironman? <laughs> you can't do Ironman again. It's not, <laughs> pos no, it's not possible. So a marathon, they transplanted over 2,000. One did it. I said, okay, then I'm the second. I will, I will do it. So And then I ran a half marathon in October last year. And I thought, okay, that feels okay. But I was done like I did a complete marathon. And then uh, another guy from uh, the Netherlands, he wanted to do Ironman Frankfurt. So I got in contact to him and I said, okay, let's do it together. So, mm. and then I, yeah, then I started training and I asked the doctors, is it okay from the training side? So I made a, I cycled really long and then, uh, yeah, it went better and better. It was the first, like the, in until May, I had some problems with the muscles for longer runs. So I, so I knew swimming will be okay with the wetsuit and I was really fit, let's say fit on the bike. Mm. It's even amazing that I, I I did always I started with power meter test mm. so with VO2 max and that stuff I started I started with 36% and now I'm like 40 uh, 54 or something mm. so and then we uh, we looked at tests from 2008 and 2009 and my anaerobic threshold is now better than with my old heart wow. so that's uh, even and my my personal best on the bike was two, 5 hours 3 in Arizona so I did uh, I wanted to do uh, 5:30 and I did 5:32 in Frankfurt that was okay and then I yeah. it was really hot outside so I, I normally I thought I could do like 4 to 4 or 50 and in the end I walked with the other transplant guy he had knee problems mm. and yeah we talked 15 minutes it was even uh, a better Ironman than I did before because my first Ironman was like 11:30 it was almost the same only with a new heart uh, and it was Frankfurt again and it was really nice because I stopped and talked to all the friends and it was not like if you want to qualify, you have to hurt, everything will, will hurt then. So it was nice. So it was really, uh, yeah. Well, one thing you mentioned before we started today's interview was that in Germany, there's a real lack of transplants. And, uh, you know, that was probably an issue for you when you needed a new heart. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So then, and another reason is that by, by the time I started sport again, some of some media and newspapers, I said, oh, that's an amazing thing. You can, like, run a half marathon or a 10K. So I was always in the newspaper. And then I thought, okay, I will then do some, start with uh, uh, advertising for organ donation because, uh, yeah, we have uh, the lowest, not like the lowest in Austria. You are born and then you are organ donor. So and you, you can then say, oh, I don't want it. Yeah. And then it's in the system, yeah. it's okay. In Germany, even if you have the small pass, or this passport, this organ passport, your your parents or your wife, they are uh, they are taking the decision. Okay. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you are brain dead and are taking decision, and in the end, like if you ask people on the road, then it's like seventy percent say, oh, that's not organ donation is okay. But in the uh, right now we have eighteen percent. Oh, really? So like twelve thousand people are waiting for organ. Uh, for kidneys and everything and uh, only a few are then on this high urgent list but the rest is not there waiting for for years and if, even on the high urgent list almost every second or third person is dying yeah. so the, even with the machines and all then and 
if you're like waiting for a kidney and you are dialysis, what is it? Dialysis? Di dialysis. dialysis. Yeah, if you, if you wait like seven years, then everything is not in good shape anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'm like really fighting and even that they change the law maybe. So everyone is an organ donor. And then, uh, yeah, with like my story and I was in, on TV a couple of times. So maybe then they think, uh, yeah, because people think after like heart transplant, you are like sitting down on the sofa. And that's not like it is. So no. you can do that maybe what you love. And I love triathlon, so I did it again. Wow, and, that's yeah. amazing. So, so what's the risk factors for you now? Are, are your doctors still saying you're stupid, stop doing that? Or <laughs> do they say you're okay, you no, keep the, doing it? They're, they're actually, if I, I take every 12 hours the medication against the rejection. That's, yeah. a, that's the first thing. And that my, uh, my immune system is like shut down. So... So uh, I'm not using public transportation and we, we shake hands, so I use the hand desinfication. Yeah. Maybe you, you saw it, so it's not yeah. like I'm polite, so I always have it in my, in my pocket yeah. here. Sure. And I have to watch what I eat. I eat like a pregnant woman, mm. so no raw meat and all that stuff. I'm not taking water from the tap, like with mm. the ice inside here. Mm. Some people, at, like if you ask for triathlon, maybe uh, for me, would like my own nutrition would be perfect. Mm. So here it is not possible to hand in something because it's only like one loop everything. Mm. So I have to. I will take the bottles mm. here on the Ironman track. They are empty completely. That's okay. So it's yeah. nothing because I, I didn't take the bottles at Ironman Frankfurt because they are filled up from the like yeah. from the street water, not street yeah. water, but yeah. it comes out of the. So that is that is one point, and the rest is like I, I really I was I had the echo before. I did every test. I handed in to doc Dr. Bob is the name of the, the doctor here. Yeah. I handed in and uh, yeah, they saw that, that I did the test and I said with that test, I saw my time in Frankfurt and my doctor at home says that training for an Ironman is healthy. The day is not healthy. Yeah. But yeah. they said, and they, they said over and over again, if you have a healthy heart, you cannot destroy it with sport. If I start here riding like 40k on the bike track, I can do it like maybe half an hour. Yeah. And then my legs say, okay, DNF. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that is, uh, I have like the, then maybe 150 heart rate. That's okay. So, but, but uh, maybe I can do it only like half an hour. So there's no, the risk is maybe he says, if, if you train all day and if you eat healthy and look at your col cholesterol and uh, all that things went up with the medication, like blood pressure was really high and now it's perfect. And they're saying maybe I will win five years and I will lose two months because of doing an Ironman. And then because mm -hmm. it's, he says, if it's good for my brain and I love to, what, I, what I do, then I should do it. So that's mm. well, probably my last question is, um, uh, are you really like, you know, obviously you've been in the sport for years and you would have loved to have got here anyway. So what, what does being at Kona mean for you? Yeah, and in, in the beginning, I was really keen to come here. So uh, because friends qualified and I saw pictures, I watched the, every race since 2004 so so like the German guys like Norm yeah. Stadler and yeah, Faris, Faris, Azul, yeah. yeah. I, I, we watched it and we had beer at home and we watched it uh, online so I said I really, really want to go there but after uh, doing Iron, some Ironman and I saw that still that missing and it was after years over years it's getting quicker mm. so I thought okay maybe I will come to Hawaii for surfing or whatever, doing vacation. So it, it was not that much. It was nice. And then I thought maybe I hand in the story. So they, they got me a me media entry, that's mm. what it's called, because yeah. I show 
through my story, different perspective of Ironman. Like yeah. Alex Sanadi, he lost his legs. He will do it with his hands. So mm. kind, kind of that story. He's close to me. I have 146 years, 147, a bit number. So and then now I'm here. So that's really nice. So then it, it's different because in, in other races, I maybe end up in the middle somewhere. And here... Everyone is like running uh, four minutes per kilometer. That's yeah, really strange yeah. on Ali Drive. So uh, I thought, okay, I did it uh, for three or four kilometers yesterday. Feels nice. But uh, normally I'm always saying like if, if I uh, overtaking is uh, maybe an old lady who is uh, doing some workout here in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But the guys without the shirts, no chance for me. But in the end, there are a lot of people which have not a good day. So I will not uh, end up at the finish line at six, 16 hours 59 I don't think so yeah. Right. Well, yeah. love your work mate so um, you know just if we can summarise the things that you really want to get out there about the, the organ doning um, how can people find out more about that I know you've probably got the German side of it but um, is there any way people can follow you or find out more about this yeah I, have a, I actually have a website but uh, yeah that's in German yeah so there are a lot of uh, pictures and some little movies and so on I started to do some stuff in English and I have a Facebook website so everyone can can get on the Facebook website maybe I, I will change it if, if some people I did uh, Ironman 70.3 in Mallorca mm. and some people follow me from Spain so some, sometimes I write something in, in English so if, if people are interested then they can follow me maybe and I will do that then in English as well so I think my English is, is yeah it's not my home language so, but mm. it's okay too so. yeah. excuse okay. me for my spelling and that. no no far from <laughs> it if you email us we'll, we'll put it on our website so people can link through yeah oh and um, yeah who do you think is going to win the race the boys and girls race uh, Okay, for for the men, I, I would really love to see Sebastian Kiel in front. Yeah, but I saw the race of Jan Frodeno mm -hmm. yeah. and three flat tires and wetsuit damaged yeah. and uh, transition bag was not there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw him running there, so he's really quick. So yeah. if 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 I think if he will have no problems, then all the rest will have problems to beat him. That's yeah. I think for the women, I. I'm not sure, but I, I, there are no, not many Germans. So yeah. I think the, the, is it my, the Carefree from last year? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think she's really good runner. Yeah. So I think maybe she, I hope that maybe the, the Caroline Steffen yeah, yeah. Will, yeah. will do something. So, so that's my, but there, there, I think there's still a, a big list yeah. of guys. I think there are maybe 10 and it's always having a good or bad day. So it depends on maybe the wind, the, the good bikers will do it so but i hope that maybe i would love to then to see that the german is, is winning so I think. Unfor but unfortunately the kiwis yeah we're, we're, we're like yeah, New Zealand, okay. so oh sorry yeah. i forgot yeah. you yeah. <laughs> hey well, good, good luck for your race and, and what an amazing story and keep up your good work yeah thanks awesome. thank you for being here okay name and place uh, my name is Amanda Wendorf. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. And are you racing this weekend? I am racing. And this is, how many times have you been here before? I have. This is my second time. I raced last year, so back for another one. She loved it so much. She locked in a second one. So where did you qualify this time? I qualified at the Eagle Man 70.3. And uh, what's the goal for tomorrow? Uh, the goal is to improve on my place from last year, um, mostly just to have a good day and finish with a smile. What place did you get last year? I was 17th in my age group last year. Oh, wow. That's pretty so we'll see how it goes, but you never know. Everybody's I think deep down there's a 10 in there somewhere, isn't there? What's that? Oh, uh, we're just going to see how it goes. He's playing it to you like a pro you are. And, uh, and what, what, you know, you come back one year, you come back the second year. Does the experience change in any way? 
it's changed. Um, you know, last year we had such fantastic conditions, so I'm still just as scared of this race as I was last year, because I know uh, we will never have a day like we had last year. But um, it changed. You know, I feel a little more like I know what I'm doing here. It's um, it's the energy is still there, but it's not as overwhelming this year. So it's actually been a really great time. So you have more. Do you have more trust in your race plan coming back, knowing the race a little bit more? I think I do. I mean. You know, everyone t last year told me to stay conservative, stay conservative, and I think I learned that that is absolutely the right approach, so conservative the whole way. And uh, do you hang around afterwards? I do. I stay till Wednesday. Oh, nice. and, and just chillax on the beach and... Exactly. Start doing the things I couldn't do this week. Stay out in the sun all day, that sort of stuff. You're going to be a party-hard animal, I can tell. Hey, well, good luck with your race. Thank you very much. It's breakfast time here at uh, Endurance Sports Travel. I'm, I'm with Nick Morales. He's the, he's, he's the company representative for today's talk. And uh, he's got a beautiful breakfast in front of him, and he wants to eat, but I'm not allowing him. How you going, Nick? Pretty good, but I am hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had my coffee yet either, so I'm really... So this, this might not be the best interview of all time. No, it might not be, but I'll, I'll work on it. He might get a little bit angry at me. Hey, mate, how's your week gone? It's been great, but you know, the thing is, this this week compared to last year, it's hot. Mm. It's hot going on. This morning, it's, it's uh, 7.41 this morning here. It's cool. <laughs> But I think once it goes to about 8 o'clock in the morning, the temperature goes up, and hopefully it uh, it doesn't affect the athletes on Saturday tomorrow. Yeah. How many athletes have you guys, or how many people are you managing with endurance sports travel on this trip? We're uh, about 94 clients and 43 athletes. Wow, wow. Well, what's the feeling with the athletes? You know, we have a lot of first-timers, but we have uh, several um, people that have done it once or twice. Um, and they all, what we offer for them to go and run the energy lab, they go up, we take them up to Hapuna and they ride to Hobby. It's been a great experience from them, especially for the first timers because they get to see it before the day. Um, and if they were here on their own, they might ha not have that chance to do that. What about spectators on rest day? Uh, we have a hospitality area right on uh, Alihi Drive where the athletes can see the, the run course. And then we just um, tell them to go up Polani yep. to come down as the athletes come down and go up Polani yeah. to see them there. And they can hang out. We have a pool area that they can hang out. They have some food, shade. And then once the run comes in, then they can go out and see them twice for the run. What do you do? What about you? How much after? Like, when does this job actually finish for you here? Well, it'll probably start tomorrow morning. I'll probably get up about three thirty, and it'll probably end about one o'clock in the morning. Wow, so it's a long day. Yeah. Um, once we drop off all the clients, then I switch hats, and then I become a triathlon photographer. So I'm pulling my pictures with another photographer that we're shooting for Triathlete Magazine. Yeah. So at the end of that day, how, how do you feel? Like, how are you feeling at the end of that day? I can't imagine you've got lots of energy. You need more food, I imagine. Uh, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where Mike Riley should say, you are an iron. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, walking around with 25 to 30 pounds of photo, uh, photo equipment, lenses and all that kind of stuff, from one end to the other end on bike and everything, I, I feel like I've done the race myself. Can I ask what brings you back, you know, how, how many years have you been helping out endurance sports travel for now? Uh, well, here in Kona, this is the fourth year. I've actually been here six times, the two times, the first times yep. um, with when you guys yeah, were here, we yeah. were doing media. Yeah. Uh, but this is the fourth time in the year that I've been helping Endurance Sports Travel, and I've been helping them since 2008. Well, what keeps bringing you back? You know, it's, it's the race itself. Even though I'm not participating, it's just seeing the action, interacting with pros, age groupers, um, hanging out. You know, what, what I really like to do is helping the, the new people that are doing this race for the first time, 
and and have them have a great day type of thing. That keeps coming. That keeps me coming back. Do you do much other travel with Durant Sports Travel? Yeah, this year I'll be. It'll be nine trips this year. Wow, that's a lot. And I have a day job, so it's, this is not my day job. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Well, guys, if you are looking at Endurance Sports Travel, EnduranceSportsTravel.com, Nick and obviously King Lara and the team uh, will get you and make you have an awesome experience. Don't forget TryJuice.com. Oh, of course, and TryJuice.com. The juice in eh? That's right. And he, if you want some great content, guys, go to his website. He does a lot of great content there. And pictures. He's, 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 he's doing, like, charades to me. Anything else you want to charade to me? No, no charades. <laughs> coffee. Get, yeah, get, go get your coffee and your food, okay. mate. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Picks. No. No. <laughs> <I was> just, <laughs> <laughs> no. Bevan Dockett, I don't even think of Bevan Dockett when I was thinking about my picks. But he's a definite chance. Oh, for, I'd love it if he won. If he, and he's definitely been, no one's talking about him. No. He's so under the radar. He, he, he is incredibly strong on the bike. Um, and he's a great runner. He'll be there after the swim for sure. Yep. He's got his nutrition sorted. He, you know, you, every sort he did in the Beijing Olympics, um, Athens Olympics many years ago, the guy's an axe on the bike. Yep. And if he's there or thereabouts, I would love him to win it. I mean, uh, he's not a runner like Frodo, but he, there's no reason why Bevan Dockery couldn't run a 240 flat. You know what? I'm so looking forward to tomorrow. Mm. I love Ironman Day. You know, like, you know, we talk about this every year. You know, there's one day, and I was talking to Chris Ladder. We've got an interview we're going to release next week post show about um, the Moreland Sport Week that we're doing. And we're talking after the interview about um, the race. And he was just saying that, you know, it's really hard to tell, not just because it's a strong field and it's, there's no kind of clear contenders this year. We just don't see them race each other nowadays. Mm. You know, we just don't see, you know, these races where they're confronting each other. And we made an interesting point, actually. He was talking about how before there was the qualification kind of point system. You know, most of the athletes wanted to race each other because it was always, you know, test yourself against the grid. It's like he was saying the, the year where Crow he got second, he just he looked at Crow's calendar and he said, "I'm going to do every race that Crow done." Mm. And because he wanted, to, if he wanted to be the best, he had to test himself against the best. We're saying that nowadays, what a lot of the pros are doing is that they have to find points. Mm. So if anything, they try to choose races where it's easier. So they're not, you know, we're not seeing these kind of one on one or these battles with these top guys. So we get to this stage of the year, and we. We don't really have the insight based on the results we've seen throughout the year to give us a clear idea of who really is going to be taking it out. So, interesting times, Jumbo. It is. Very interesting. Go interesting Kiwis. for you, because you won't be thinking about that at all during race, will you? I'll certainly be trying to, I'll probably get a bit of whiplash as I go along the Queen K or wherever we see them coming down, trying to figure out, it's so hard to see people on the yeah. bike. Uh, and likewise on the run, I'll be sussing it out for a little bit. You know, that's... One of the things you can do when you're out there just to try to relax your mind and not be too focused on exactly your numbers and all that sort of stuff is just to check out what's going on. Probably It's pretty very hard to see what will be going on with the girls. You'll see the leader go past with the, yeah. the motorcycles and then it'll be really hard to tell. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, any, any last thoughts you want to share with the listeners about your race? Uh, no, thank, just thank you for people who've supported and who have enjoyed the following all the training. I don't know. It, has, it certainly hasn't hit me. I'm not nervous yet in terms of well, crapping, yeah, crapping myself. Yeah. Uh, in terms of thinking, oh, this is you know two years of work that I put in coming it down to one day. It's like <laughs> well, your life depends upon <laughs> yeah, it. It's certainly, uh, you know, I put a lot of work, but part of it's been the process and the journey. And I know it sounds cheesy. 
<laughs> no, but you know what? That does that is cheesy, but it's, that's how you are. <laughs> <laughs> Full of cheese. No, but you know that's what the sport's about, isn't it? Yeah. It's the growth of self. So I'm just going out there to put on a solid day, as I've said over the last few weeks. You started to cry, team. Stop no, it! Stop I'm it! I'm crying. I've just got a bloody frog on my throat. Um, it's just. Now I'm totally focused on just having the perfect day and really not too concerned about the placing. I obviously want to finish up as high as I can, but I'm certainly not going out there now with any aspirations of top So the goal was sub, sub nine, sub three. Conditions like last year, if it's conditions were yeah, like last year, sub nine is what I want. And the easiest way, as I keep saying, I compare myself to the chicks. I, I am motivated to beat the chicks. Yeah. I won't, won't Joyce, lie. Joyce doesn't think you've got no hope. Um, easiest way to tell on race day is probably not my position in the 35 to 39. It's more look at the top five girls. If I'm in the top five girls, probably been a pretty reasonable day. Fifth through tenth has probably been pretty average. And if I beat all the girls, then we'll have had a pretty exceptional day. Um, anything else? No. 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 Thank you, guys. So, uh, 1604. Is it your Go number? 1604. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, if you are on Iron Man Live, again, on, on to, during race day, I'll be going on Facebook and kind of just communicating. So, if you want to just, you know, keep in touch with the community while you're watching the race, Iron Man Live do great coverage of race day. You know, they really do. You know, we often can mm-hmm. be critical of some of the coverage they have around the world, but on race day in, in Kona, it's a great, great coverage. So, um, you know, lock it on right off your day. Mm. Set up some beers, you know. Maybe have drinking pong mm-hmm. whenever they mention someone's name. Have a have a scowl, mm-hmm. and then uh, you get you get rotten. Or John's getting rotten out in the course. And if you are listening to this from Kona, we will try to sort out maybe a meeting spot before going to the awards dinner outside. Uh, the Philinator and I will be going along to that. Maybe uh, we'll, we'll nominate some shop or something to meet outside if you want to sit together at the prize giving and uh, and I will be posting a couple of pictures I'm not crying I've got a bloody thing it's in my seriously throat. guys he's, <laughs> seriously I feel right got the it tears, uh, the, the tears, tears are rolling I'm, I'm down my face um, emotional mess <laughs> a wreck uh, I'll be posting a couple of po- pictures on Twitter and Facebook tomorrow just with my race kit so if you want to see what I'm wearing but it's basically all white except for my pants on the bike. It's a white top, white bike, white helmet, and then on the run I've got the Project Twenty. You're know going to start calling you what? Crybaby? Wow! Wow! Oh, no, I was going to say White Lightning. Okay. Yeah. Ian Hersey. Oh, is it? Ben? Oh, is he White Lightning? Is yeah. he? Okay, you can borrow his nickname just for one day. Okay. Tomorrow's White Lightning. Sweet. Um. Okay, guys. So what we're going to do right now before we kind of just about wrap it up is uh, once we wrap this bit up, we're going to put the media conference on from, from highlight of the week. Tell you what. Yes. <laughs> If you want to stop the podcast now, we're totally happy for you to do that. But if you want to check out, Andrew Messick talks for about 10 minutes and then you know, there's a couple of random questions for the pros. It goes for about 20 minutes. Jombo, sponsors? Endurance Sports Travel. Lock it in, team. Get overseas. Have a good time. Lava Java. Come to Kona. Just plan a trip to come to Kona just to go there. And our regular sponsors, Extreme Endurance, Coffees of Hawaii, Athlinks.com, and Bevan's been hooked up by Bikeworks. Yep, love your work, Bikeworks. Okay, guys, so here we go. Here's John. Uh, here's the media conference. We'll, we'll do a little outro, eh? Iron Russ. Oh, wait a second, mate. Mm. Good luck. Thank you. You know, like, it's, you know, like. Don't need and, luck. And Philinator. You know, from those lying on the ground, looks like he's half about to cry too. You know, he's get, a bit, get a bit emotional. God, guys, you know, harden up. Spent half a bloody day with his feet up the wall. Yeah, that's right. He's got his legs up the wall right now. It's just, you know, like it's, uh, it's, you know, like it's always interesting watching from the outside. And, you know, you guys mm. bloody worked your asses off over the last 18 months and there's a huge amount of commitment and time. And uh, so good luck. And I'll be cheering you along. You, you'll hear me out there. Don't worry about that. So good luck over the weekend, boys. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha is the greatest race ever. 
uh, the men's race in 1999 between, between Mark Allen and Dave Scott, the, the Iron War. And so a lot of what, what, uh, what our age group athletes will hear at Ecomomai and at various other events is, uh, is hear you know, Dave and Mark talking about the, their extraordinary duel in 1989 that in many ways was one of the seminal moments in, in the development and history of, of Ironman. The overall state of Ironman, uh, you know, we're, we're in a vibrant, good place right now on a global basis. We have, we're in a phase of remarkable growth. We had 24 races new in 2014 between Ironman and Ironman 70.3. Those races were in South America, they were in Asia, they were in Australia, New Zealand, they were in Europe, they were in North America. And we continue to see more and more athletes racing, more and more athletes joining and engaging in the sport of triathlon. And we're, we're privileged and humbled to be, to be able to create a platform for people to, to continue to race around the world. 2015 will be fundamentally, uh, fundamentally similar in terms of the overall growth of our sport. We expect uh, nearly 20 new races in 2015, many of which have been announced, uh, many of which we will be announcing in, in the coming weeks and months. We, we believe that we continue to, to provide extraordinary opportunities for, for athletes uh, at an age group and professional level to compete around the world. And, and we're excited about the prospects that we're seeing in parts of the world that are less developed. We had our first race behind the, behind the old Iron Curtain uh, in, uh, in September in, in uh, Budapest, Hungary. We will have at least one more in 2015 in Gdynia, Poland, and, and uh, others that we're not prepared to announce quite yet. We're expanding strongly into South America where we've got large pools of athletes. Uh, at this race here this year, Brazil is a top 10 country in terms of providing age groupers, and we think that, uh, we think that there continue to be great opportunities for, for there to be Ironman racing in South America. We've added races in, in Asia. We'll add a second 70.3 the Philippines. Ironman Taiwan will be next April. And we're providing more opportunities for, for athletes in these parts of the world to be able to compete with us. From a professional racing perspective, besides these extraordinary athletes that you'll be hearing from in just a few minutes, we've, we've made a number of structural changes that we believe will, will help and promote professional racing in the years to come. We've concentrated prize money and points in, into a smaller number of races. We've moved those races earlier into the calendar with the two-pronged strategy of having our, our top athletes compete against one another more earlier in the season to be able to drive sponsor and media interest, but also by having these races earlier in the season, we increase the likelihood that our top athletes will be at their best and at their freshest at Kona in 2015. So we, we believe that we've got a lot more to do with our professional athletes and that's gonna be an area of, of real emphasis for, for us over the, coming, over the coming years because we think that there's, there's a lot more that we can do with our professional athletes. One of the big changes this year at this race relates to age group women. 28% of our field in 2014 in this race 
is female. It's the highest proportion we've ever had. It's the highest absolute number of women we've ever had racing with us. And this race, among Ironman races, is the race that has the highest proportion of women of any race we have anywhere in the world. We've created a separate age group start for women. We've, as, as we looked at the results of the last few years, we've seen that by having our age group men and our age group women start together, it had a profound impact on the 13 age groups that are competing for their own age group world championship on the women's side. And we believe that having separation between age group men and age group women will create a, a fairer, better race for the more than 600 women who are going to be competing here on Saturday. We also are taking strong actions towards helping to grow the overall sport of triathlon. And we are announcing today a, a broad-based partnership with our friends at Lifetime Fitness. Kimo Seymour, who runs the, the overall Lifetime Fitness endurance business, is, is here with us today. And we're partnering with Lifetime in the United States to include the Lifetime triathlon races into our age group rankings, into our all-world athlete program, and have a number of initiatives with Lifetime that are designed to encourage athletes to race, to bring new people into the sport of triathlon, and, and we believe that we've got an extraordinary opportunity to, to leverage the structural advantages of Lifetime and their 1.7 million members in the United States, and to encourage them and to bring them into the sport of triathlon whether it's short distance races or long distance races, you know, we're gonna be highly, highly focused on, on helping to bring new people into our sport, which we think over time will help everyone that has an interest within the sport of triathlon. So we have a lot of initiatives. We've got a, a lot of momentum right now. We're, we're pretty happy about where we stand. And, uh, and our attention right now is on making sure that the 2,100 athletes that we're going to have on Saturday all are in a position to have the race of their lives. So uh, if there's questions right now, I'm happy to answer them, and afterwards we'll turn it over to our professional athletes. Taiwan, a second 70.3 in Subic Bay in the Philippines. We think there's at least one, possibly two more 70.3 races that we'll put into Southeast Asia in, in the latter part of 2015. We, we look at what Fred Utensu and the folks at Sunrise have done from a development of the sport of triathlon over the last five years. That team has, has really developed the Philippines into, from a country that has relatively few long-distance triathletes to a really extraordinarily vibrant participation uh, participation sport. The the Cebu 70.3 sells out in three hours. They've got 2,400 athletes, 2,000 of which are Filipino, and and we believe that the ability with great races and the right type of support and marketing, we've got the ability in other Southeast Asian countries to be able to continue the growth of athletes and the growth of, of great races. So we expect to we expect to do more, a few more races in, in 15 or 16. So. 
Well, I think there's there's two there's two questions there. First, from from a competing with the biggest events in the world within the endurance sport work business, we already do. And and in terms of endurance sports, we believe that this event is is the is the preeminent endurance event in the world. Where we have an opportunity to do better, and where if you look at the New York Marathon, the Tokyo Marathon, Berlin, the, the marathon majors, they're they're better at us from a media perspective, and they have they have better broader media exposure, and and that's an area where where we're currently investing, and we believe we've got great opportunity for the future. In terms of prize money for for professionals within the sport of triathlon, this is the biggest prize purse in the world, and and we believe that that. This race will continue to be that, and, and we hope that it will continue to be that. Um, and and consequently, we have the best athletes, and and this is the this is the most prestigious title to have. Other questions? Pete and I are good. Uh, Pete and I spoke the other day. Pete told me exactly. How he felt and what was on his mind, and I told him exactly how I felt and what was on my mind, and we're good. With one exception that I'll talk about in a second, um, I think the 70.3 World Championships in Montremblant were a total success. It was a great venue. It was a a great showcase for the race. It was great to get it out of you know to get it out of uh, out of the United States for the first time in 36 years. Um, the area where where we need to be better is management of the bike course. Um, a little bit on the pro side, but mostly on the age group side. And and we weren't as good as we need to be. And and we'll be better on Saturday. We'll be a lot better on Saturday. And part of our messaging to, to our age group athletes is, uh, is we're gonna be a lot tighter on the bike course and athletes need to respect the rules um, for, uh, or there'll be consequences. So. Well, we're we're in the middle of a process right now where we're partnering with the ITU on on creating a consolidated consolidated set of long course rules. The the rules that that govern almost all triathlon racing, almost everywhere in the world, are the ITU set of rules, which were drafted and designed largely for short course racing. And our belief is is that a long course set of rules should be different. And part of Part of our conversation with the ITU is, is whether we should be expanding drafting penalties from four minutes to eight or ten. And, and from our perspective, I think our emerging thinking within Ironman is, is that there needs to be rules, there needs to be expectations, and there needs to be enforcement. And we intend to, we intend to focus on all three. Thanks very much.
Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Andrew Messick. At this time, uh, we're going to welcome our 2014 Ironman World Championship presented by GoPro Athletes. First of all, we're going to have our defending champions coming up on stage. She's from Australia. She's a 2010 and 2013 Ironman World Champion. Let's bring up Marinda Carfrey. He's from Belgium. He's a 2013 Ironman World Champion. Please welcome Freddie Van Leerd. She was a runner-up last year in 2013, having a fantastic race from the UK, Rachel Joyce. Woo! He's from Australia, and I think he's still got a poster of myself up on his wall. Please welcome the runner-up from last year, Mr. Luke McKenzie. She was third place in 2013 from the UK, Liz Blatchford. He was the runner-up last year. He's a two-time Ironman 70.3 world champion from Germany, Sebastian Kinley. She's from the United States. She is the 2014 Ironman North American 70.3 champion, Meredith Ketzler. From Australia, he's a three-time Ironman world champion. Let's bring him up, Mr. Craig Alexander. <laughs> Multiple Ironman champion. She is the Asia Pacific Ironman champion. Let's bring her up here, Caroline Stephan. <laughs> From Australia, he's a 2012 Ironman world champion, Pete Jacobs. From Switzerland, she is the current 70.3 Ironman World Champion. Let's bring her in, Daniela Reif. And last but not least, she's from the United States. Please welcome Tim O'Donnell. So firstly, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a two-part press conference today. We'll be bringing up some of our age group uh, stories after this. So uh, we're going to get through this one. Then there'll be one-on-one -on -one time a little bit later. And then we'll bring up our age groupers straight after this. So we want you to hang around for both parts of our press conference, please. So, uh, Marinda, how are you doing? Well, thanks. Welshie. How was your trip over and uh, how long you been here? Uh, my trip over was uh, pretty easy. I came in from Denver um, on the 26th, so pretty much two weeks before the race, which is what I've done in the past five years. Okay, so two-time uh, defending champion there, Miranda. Uh, this year we've got another great field here. It's probably one of the strongest fields we've ever seen on the line. Yeah, I mean, I expect nothing less. This is the World Championships, the most coveted event in triathlon, I believe, um, outside of the Olympics. So, um, yeah, I expect to be racing against the best in the world, and I'm prepared for it. There's fighting words right there. Over to Freddie Van Leer from uh, Belgium last year. Freddie, was a dream come true for you? Uh, you know, winning uh, you know, Ironman races around the world and also Abu Dhabi was a, a fantastic year for you. Um, what does it mean to become world champion? Well, a lot of things, of course. Uh, it's been a fantastic year so far. Um, it was, uh, for me, a pleasure to uh, yeah, race as world champion, uh, arrive at some venues, at some races as world champion. Uh, I enjoyed it really much, uh, really a lot. So, um, yeah, it was a great year. Has it uh, changed your life at all? Well, of course, a little bit. Uh, 
I hope I didn't change, but uh, around <laughs> me something's changed. Of course, people uh, look more at you. There's more media attention, uh, especially then in Belgium. Um, yeah, there's a lot more to do, but uh, I think uh, I managed it quite well, and uh, I'm happy with where, I'm, where I am right now. Has your uh, preparation for this race gone over the last couple of months? Uh, really good since uh, Ironman Frankfurt. Everything has been uh, um, yeah for Ironman Hawaii. I was in uh, Spain. I was in altitude training camp in in France, and then the last two weeks I was in Phoenix in the heat. And uh, I arrived um, last Friday here in Hawaii. Okay, there's uh, some words from our defending champions, and uh, just a couple of uh, random questions. I'm going to hand the floor over to you guys uh, in just a sec. But uh, Craig Alexander, welcome back, Craig, uh, three-time Ironman world champion. Um, has it uh, has it feel to be racing at uh, 41 years uh, young? It feels good to be back. You know, I I thought last year was my last year. When when I said it was, I thought it was. I thought I'd be in Australia this year doing school drop-offs and trying to start a coaching business or, or something like that but uh, I just changed my mind I love the race I got the opportunity to spend another summer in the northern hemisphere and like all the guys and girls up here I, I love it I love to race I, I'm loving being back looking forward to Saturday yep great we're looking forward to seeing you race too mate uh, Daniela why don't you uh, grab the microphone uh, Ironman 70.3 world champion already with three Ironman victories this year uh, you seem to be having a fantastic year how do you feel about being on the island for the first time racing I'm very excited um, I came here last like this Tuesday and um, it's been yeah every day I kind of you know had a look around and um, I love it here. Everyone is really friendly and seems really happy actually, so it seems the happy island to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well you remain happy uh, because on Saturday uh, you, you may not be happy all day, but that's okay. <laughs> Alright, um, not too many questions from the podium here, so we're going to hand it over to our floor right now. So who's uh, going to take the first question? In the back, Brad Colt from uh, Lava Magazine. similar situation you know I've, I've had a really frustrating year race wise I've had some really subpar results and I know I've got a really good result in me and but I think that's something that makes me hungry about coming back here and racing on Saturday you know I know that I've, I've got good form and you know I, I love this race I know how to prepare for it um, I've been coming back here for eight years now and I've, you know I've done my time here um, and yeah I'm really hungry to you know put, put a day together like I did last year Next question, please. Phil Ronka from First Off the Bike. question is uh, that uh, she raced in July in an Ironman and uh, how's the recovery and uh, it's a little bit unusual for her to race that distance in July. Yeah, I um, basically the first five years here followed a very similar formula and um, I learnt in 2010 after winning you really can't stick to the same formula. Uh, it kind of goes out the window a little bit with extra obligations, a bit more travel and um, media obligations. So when I won last year I sort of sat down, um, I needed a mental um, break not break, just change um, in what I'd been doing in the past. Um, and I knew that the year would look different regardless of what I tried to make it look like. Uh, so I, you know, I've decided to put Challenge Roth in there. 
um, in the middle of the year. That's a bucket list race that I've, I've wanted to do for many years. I've heard nothing but great things about it and um, set about, you know, preparing for Roth mid-year, which um, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with the result there, to say the least. Um, but from there, it's basically been full steam ahead to Kona. Um, and again, throughout the whole year, really, this race is in the back of your mind. Um, it kind of has to be if you want to be, be successful here on the island. And um, yeah, basically just business as usual in the second half of the year. Timothy Carlson, turn your phone off, please. Did, did I say Timothy Carlson? Okay. Next question, please. Uh, Brad? Uh, question for Sebastian. How excited are you about this win? I don't know how many guys of you have been on the highway this morning. Um, uh, I mean, predict, predicting the, the weather and the wind is uh, just like trying to predict the pro race here. Um, everybody tries. Um, uh, sometimes it's going to be way difficult, different than, uh, than predicted. But if you could believe the predictions, it should be even a little bit better. And uh, with a little bit better, I mean a little bit worse for most of the other guys. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always nice to see some uh, white water out there. And uh, also on the highway was, um, uh, was really some wind out there. And of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the, the race um, a little bit. I mean, it's like no other race. Sometimes you could win, the, you need to, to do a close to eight hours to win the race and another day you win the race with eight hours 30 minutes and that does not mean the athletes are have been worse that year or something it just depends so much on the conditions and now of course wind favors my strengths Roger Vaughan Australia last two and a half months has been really excited. I mean, yeah, two and a half months ago I did my first Ironman and now I'm here. So it's actually pretty crazy. But 
Um, I don't feel like I've raised that much, to be honest, um, the last four weeks. I just trained and I feel really fit. Um, and everything has gone really well. I've been in Cozumel the last four weeks and I'm really excited just to race. You know, I, I like racing hard and I think that's why I'm here to just, you know, go out there and have fun and push it really hard on the bike if I can. Corey, um, we've got Frodo coming along this, this weekend and he's pretty sharp. A lot of the ITU guys when they come over they kind of stuff up their first year, but so they race unwisely often. But do you think we'll have a guy like in the race, you know, who, if he performs, he can kick some ass, do you think that that will then influence the race and make other people make riskier moves than they normally would do? I mean, if you're asking me if I think Jan can win, yes, I, I think he can. I think he's obviously got the talent, uh, he's got the work ethic, and he's got the team around him to help. Um, you know, but we have the same discussion every year. On paper, there are 15 guys who could probably win. And, you know, what happens is the gun goes off, and from that moment, you start making decisions, and hopefully they're good ones. And I mean, take last year, for example, there were 27 guys in the front group, but on the return trip from, from Harvey, there was really probably only five or six guys who were going to win then. You know, everybody's fit, but it's, it's usually the fittest, the smartest, making good decisions and, and racing your own race, racing your strengths, racing your own race. And, uh, you know, having Jan there's going to change change things for sure because he, you know, he's got all the tools that you need. But I don't see he's any more or less of a favourite than, than Seb or Luke or Frederick. Um, I'm guessing everybody's in great shape, possibly the best shape of the year, or they should be. And, it, you know, once the gun goes off, we find out who uses that the best. It's, and mentally prepared and, and then make smart decisions and you know if you see me out on the race course ask me five hours into it if I think Jan can still win so I think, I think we'll all have a better idea you know, I'm guessing he's just going to race a smart race and, and do his own thing and, and that's what you know the people who do well that's usually what they do do there was a lot more attention uh, coming back to Belgium um, there was one guy before me who won it twice Luke van Leerden we have the same name um, yeah it's a it's a, a little country so there was a there were a lot of things to do but um, it's days triathlon and me I mean it's not like I'm uh, Tom Boonen or uh, someone else uh, in Belgium running around and uh, everybody recognizes so uh, it's uh, it's doable let's say yeah also, Luke Van Leerden um, is Freddie's coach. Timothy Carlson, slow twitch. So that's two questions, is it? Okay. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've done, I've run a marathon um, in the World Bull, uh, Red Bull World Run in the beginning of the year. Um, well, it was kind of like a fun run, you know, you, <laughs> you start and the car catches you from behind. Um, I just wanted to go and see how fast I can go and um, I think I passed 42k at 2, I think it was 248, no, yeah, two, yeah something like this. But um, that was totally different you know I mean 
here, I don't know how fast I'm going to run. Um, I certainly know that I have to go hard on the bike to be able to have a chance for the win. And that's my goal. I just going to, you know, give it on the, on the bike. And then whatever happens in the run, we will see. Um, there's certainly a lot of fast girls here. And um, I'm interested to see how I can compete against them. And um, it's definitely going to be an exciting day. Right here. Last year was a massive uh, change. Uh, that all happened pretty much after Hawaii last year, and um, I'm feeling really good. And I'm in a really happy place at the moment, uh, which was totally different to last year. Uh, I'm very happy with Chris McCormick as my coach, of course, and uh, I'm very happy with my trainings partner for Rami. I spend most of the time in Australia at the moment, so um, to be a bit more home that means means a lot to me as well. And um, yeah, I reckon I improved. Uh, uh, definitely improved my run and uh, my swim as well. So um, I'm just really happy to be back here and uh, had a great year so far. I kept through without any needles, without any injuries, without any sickness, and uh, I'm feeling strong back here on, on the start. And um, I wouldn't expect that last year when I was in November, I, I lost pretty much uh, everything I had team, sponsor, uh, coach, manager, pretty much. It was just me and nothing else, and uh, was quite a bit uh, depressive actually. So, um, really happy to be back here, and like I said before, I'm in a very happy place. Uh, this next question is for Meredith Kessler and uh, Tim O'Donnell. Um, it's been quite some time since there was a US winner. Um, is, the, is the drought going to be broken? Uh, we'll, st we'll start down uh, here with Tim. And uh, Tim, your coach was one of those uh, last guys, Mr. Mark Allen, who's sitting in the crowd today. Um, so Tim, you know, can it be broken this year? Yeah, one of the uh, stipulations that Mark put down for working with him this year is that I had to put out a more impressive performance than he did 25 years ago. <laughs> so uh, he set the bar high. Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, I, I was here at this press conference in 2011 with that title and I uh, put a lot of pressure on my shoulders and I ended up DNFing and I was sitting up here thinking I didn't belong and uh, I have a much different view now. Um, and uh, I know there's a lot of Americans out there that are rooting for me and uh, Meredith and the other Americans. And it's all positive uh, for me now. It's all just, uh, you know, energy I can use and, you know, knowing I have their support out there. So uh, I feel a little more uh, in place uh, with where I am right now. Meredith? And then Tim went on and married this Australian chick <laughs> who crushes the Americans. Um, no, well, first of all, I'm privileged to be up here with these ladies, no matter what country they're from, and I'm not sure I'm quite worthy of that with my um, experience here in Kona over the years, but uh, I, I also realize I have a near decade in age on, on what, what she's called the angry bird, and I, I realize I need to be a grumpy old cat that just kind of chases that bird. Uh, I mean that with the utmost respect, Daniela. Um, no, but... <laughs> um, Gosh, you know, I think there's 13 of us gals, uh, U.S. gals racing, and, and there's so many others that could be up here speaking to you all. Uh, so it would be great to, to uh, crack that, that U.S. code, and, and you know, we've done everything we can to prepare.
prepare for, for Saturday, and I'm just delighted to be here to, to try to showcase it the best we can. She's got a red bull on her head there, MBK. You be careful, okay? <laughs> um, this next question, Pete Jacobs. Uh, Pete, uh, 2011, second, 2012 champion, 2013, probably a year that you know you want to ride off. Have you reset the buttons and uh, are you back? Yeah, I'm following the same uh, plan as every other year, uh, you know, get injured or be sick early in the year, miss a fair bit and then come back and uh, start training well in August and, um, you know, it's worked out four out of the last five years. So, uh, you know, that's my mindset that, um, you know, generally what I do works here and uh, it's a good course for me. I do well here generally. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in really relaxed. It's nice not to be the defending champ and uh, be down this end of the table and a little less pressure and, uh, you know, I'm really relaxed and freshening up and, um, you know, really looking forward to just getting out there and uh, doing what I do well. Great, great. Liz Blatchford, last year third place, uh, this year, uh, what's it going to take to um, go up a couple of notches? Yeah, I think this year the women's field is probably the strongest possibly ever. Uh, we've got the top ten girls from last year plus girls like Daniela, Leander, Mary, Mary Beth Ellis, um, yeah, a bunch of girls that last year were injured or weren't even here. Um, so yeah, I think our race is going to be hot. Um, to beat Rini, I don't know, what's it going to take? That's the, the big question, isn't it? So I feel stronger than last year, stronger on the bike, and hopefully that might convert to a slightly faster marathon. So, but yeah, I think potentially our whole field might be faster this year. So I don't know what's it going to take. Great. <laughs> well, good luck anyway. Okay, we have time for one more question before we go into uh, switch uh, seats here with our age group bar stories as well. Do we have one more question out there? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for all of our athletes uh, here today as they exit the stage. <laughs>